I still get the fuzzies when I see that intro. I still get the fuzzies when I see that. Pod squad, you need to jump on. You need to jump on at least once. How you doing, guys? It's me, the one AJ, Anthony Jordan. And it's me, Nico Leroux. And we're not alone today. We're not. We're not. We're so excited. The smile on my face. I'm so excited that she's back. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jazz. Hey, Jazz, <laughs> how are you? Good. It has been a while. It has. It has. Like the global one slowed us down, but you know what? It gave us virtual. And here we are. We get to see you again. How have you been? Like, how's things been since we last saw you? I mean, well, we were only we were only doing this podcast recording like what a year ago now. So nah. <laughs> I've been fine. Time shot by. Um, yeah, no, good. How have you guys been? Yeah, well, good, good. Lots has lots has changed as we were as we were saying off air before. AJ's a manager. I'm self-employed daddy, and things are happening with the People's Polygraph, which is I still tune in every week. Love that podcast. Aww. Oh, thanks, man. We do it only for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and many others, and many others. Gavin, who I'm sure will be here, or is here. Gavin's already. here. Yeah, like, yeah, he was, he tunes in as well. That's just how great it is, you know, from that episode. Well, in that in. case, we only do it for Gavin. Gavin deserves it more than we do. Let's see who's in the house. Francis Lalonde is here. Hello, everyone. Hello, Francis. Arjun Garenki is here. Edge of Tomorrow, Atomic Blonde, The Menu, 007 Movies. Let's start that one for later. Thank you, Richard. Francis Lalonde also says, didn't know topic until this morning. Did a quick Rushmore list. Very, very good. I love that. We will come back to that in a bit. Um, Actually, I'll start for you. Thank you, sir. The Platinum Fan, Gavin Mann, is here. Good evening, all, as you guys have a special guest on. Will you be having a special intermission that connects both sides of the episode, like a bridge of sorts? Sounds like it could be fun. I think that one was for you, Jazz. Maybe. Maybe a, f- a bridge. We could think of a bridge. A, fle- <laughs> a fleshy fun bridge, as it's known over on uh, People's Polygraph. If you don't know, get to know. Uh, who else is here? Andy Hart's in the house. Francis Lalonde, Atomic Blonde is fantastic, but South African, naturalized American, sadly not British. I agree with that. Yes, Charlie's there on, not British. Agreed. Um, and Andy Hart goes on to say, this is a tough one to come up with the top 10 as I had to leave so many out. Plus, I only saw the tweet half an hour ago. Tried to make my 10 varied in genre and era. Billy Mount is here. Hi, Nico. And Jazz and AJ. Everyone, please uh, thank you. Jazz for welcome. It's great to see you, Billy. Thank you for joining us once again. AJ, a um, few other things to announce. We have now got a lot of podcast hosts like geo seven you fucked up when you just tried to charge me and you lost us um so when, when we bring up the banner later breathe like great okay so i can't do no 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 not unless not unless you're able to spit like uh what's his name buster rhymes there we go yeah if you can do a buster rhymes you might just be able to do it it's long now Okay, so just be warned when we bring the banner up later. Okay. Um, Ibrahim's here. Hello, Ibrahim. Hi, everyone. Am I late? No, Ibrahim. You're yep. just on time. This and please, fine. everyone, make Jazz feel welcome. Uh, if you haven't heard already, Jazz was with us once. I think it's back in season two or three. We, we, it was even a two-parter we did. It was so long, right? The top 10 LGBTQ plus movies. And it was good. It was yeah. one of it our was a monster. Most- Very it was good. A monster. <laughs> 
Riri Thomas is also here. Hey, Nico and Jazz. The People's Polygraph is great. Particularly enjoyed the one recently about the haunted English house. Thanks for recommending. Yes, you can come visit with us. We're trying to like <laughs> rally a group together to go find some ghosts. <laughs> I'm all over that. I'll do that. That sounds cool. That sounds all kinds of cool. Hell yeah. All over that. Um, right, guys. So you know the rules of season uh, season six. We don't dawdle for too long. We want to get into the movie stuff. Um, just want to do one cheeky little two plugs, actually. I want to congratulate AJ for growing the Ministry of Wrestling show and podcast to 60 subscribers now. So I like oh, that. Oh, when... the final one come through? I think it came through. If not, it may have dropped off. But I know oh, well. we... Look, I think the final one came through. And I uh, just want to say, as you can see in my little title down below, Daddy Goo, new to YouTube, my first month on YouTube as a, as a gaming live streamer, and I've got 21 subscribers. Mm. Oh, Bro, I'm happy with that, you know? That's awesome. I'm happy with that. 10,000 views in the first month. I was like, that's not bad for a 21 subscriber channel. I'm reaching people. It's good. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good. Shall we get into it? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Billy Mount says... Nico, does Alicia Vikander as Lara Croft count? Absolutely not. She's Swedish. <laughs> and I'll just go into a question for Jazz. Hey, Jazz, what did you think of Sam Smith's unholy winning of the Grammys the other night? <laughs> oh, man, if you think I've got any interest in the Grammys at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, love Sam Smith, though. They're great. <laughs> Sam Smith is great. Big fan of their work. Yeah. Gavin Mann says, I feel like uh, Pliny Maestro after listening to People's Polygraph <sighs> on season six at the moment and catching the new. Pliny's fucked up. Pliny is, Pliny is pretty fucked up. Pliny's fucked I'm up. I'm so glad that I've been spreading the word of Pliny <laughs> to the masses. <laughs> He'd be so proud of me. Dude, I remember when you were talking about Pliny back on like season two, I think it was. And I was like, yo. What is up yeah. with this guy? He's done a lot of mushrooms. Oh, um, yeah. And Billy Mount, thank you. Just sub to your gaming channel. Much appreciated, Billy. Next live stream, hopefully coming this Friday, I will be going to Dathomir. Um, stay tuned if you're a Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order fan. Right, AJ, plugs aside. Let's get into this. Right, okay. But before we get into it, would you like to tell people what it's all, what we're getting into? Yes. Basically, it's a top 10 show between two best friends from school. How does the show actually work? This week, we also have a guest, so things are little going to be a little bit different. Um, Jazz is going to be our guinea pig, so thank you for that, Jazz. Basically, normally the way the show works is that AJ and I each go our separate ways. We come, back right here and we come back right here into recording and deliver to you, the film family, the silver screen dudes, our individual top tens. However, however, because we have a guest, and in the interest of keeping things tight, which is what you guys requested at the end of season five... AJ and I have combined our top 10 lists. So you will have one top 10 list from the Silver Screen Dudes and one top 10 list from Jazz of the People's Polygraph. One of the best podcasts out there that isn't ours. If you're not following them already, go and follow the People's Polygraph. So here's how it works now that you've understood those parameters. Jazz will go first, delivering her bottom three. We will then deliver our bottom three. Jazz will deliver her next two. We will deliver our next two. And then when we get to our top five, we will trade one apiece. If at any time, while we are running off our individual top ten lists, one person has an actress in a higher position, that person will say... Punt. Punt. 
And we will punt and talk about that actress when we get to the take off that download on Spotify off my face. (laughs) (laughs) Once we have both rounded off our individual top tens, we will create in the voice of Chandler Bing the movie Mount Rushmore. These are the four quintessential diverse must-see movies of the genre, which this week is... Top 10 movies led by female British actresses, female actors. Like you, I mean, it says females, British females. Okay. Yeah. British females, I think. British I, women. I, British, British women. <laughs> actors, actresses. <laughs> I'm not out for so, you know, which term goes best. Okay, guys. However, however, with, once we have done that and we have compiled the four must-see movies of the particular genre, it gets even more challenging because it's over to you, the screeners, to crown El Capitan, El Numero Uno, the best of the best of the best, sir, with honours. Yeah, that's the one. And to quote Highlander, in the end, there can only be one. So, last week, our topic was... Last week, our topic was the top ten anime movies. And our contenders were? Our contenders were... Not my choosing. This was the people's choosing. We had to go mainstream here. Otherwise, it would have been very low numbers. But we went with Ghost in the Shell, Spirited Away, Akira, and My Neighbor Totoro. And those votes went over to at Movie MT Rushmore. But more importantly, at Movie Polls for You, fronted by good old JT from We Love Movies. Had to get that plug in as well. And now we play the game where AJ has to guess what came where. AJ, let me make this very easy for you. It went exactly the way you thought it would go. I can't remember what I said. I'm too tired. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay. The way we both thought, the way that it... The way that you would guess the public would vote on this. There are no surprises this week. Right. Totoro at number four. Correct. My neighbor Totoro got 15% of the votes. Ghost in the Shell at number three. Correct. Ghost in the Shell got 17%. Oh, that's great. Akira at number two. Correct. Akira at number two with 25%. And, and Spirited Away well. absolutely fucking smashed it with 43%. Because that's the only anime movie people watch. It's really annoying. You know what's really annoying? There's one <laughs> I really wanted to see. My Neighbours, the Yamchas or something. And I've been searching high and low. Type it in today to look for it. It's on Netflix. I was like, come on. But hey, there we go. Okay. I'll I'll say what I say every week. Please go and watch Grave of the Fireflies, everyone. If you haven't, check that film out. (sighs) Perfect. Be prepared for perfect. Oh god, I might trust me. Yeah. If you get a chance to catch that one. Oof. All kinds of awesome. Right. Oh, Republic Productions has joined us again. Hello, Republic Productions. You guys never cease to amaze me with how many specific topics you can think of. My man, thank you. Republic I mean, Productions we'll... is so funny because Nico was just saying uh, before we went live how much of a uh, a topic whore he is. Like, any way of finding a way to wing, wing it in, he can. And I was thinking the same thing today on the train. I was like, hmm, I wonder what topics I can think of next. It's, it's weird, but they come up. But yes, we thank you guys for tuning in each week. We thank Jazz for coming in and joining the madness of the mad topics that we have thank you for having me oh no it's an absolute pleasure no thank you no it's honestly a thank you it's truly a thank you (laughs) 
And thank you, everyone, for um, joining us live. It is a pleasure to have our live squad in the house. Remember, if you're watching us on uh, YouTube after the show has aired, you are the VOD squad, video on demand. Please put the hashtag VOD squad in the comment section. And if you are pod squad, pod squad, hashtag pod squad, hit us up on Twitter to let us know your pod squad and what you thought of the show. And if you are listening to us on podcast, people can find us at AJ, breathe. <laughs> I'm going to see how fast I can do this. I don't show that. Here we go. Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Podchaser, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Podcast Republic, Podcast Guru, Player FM, Bullhorn, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Castro, Podbean, Pod Hero, Podcast Hero, Pod Friend. Sonnet FM and search for movie Mount Rushmore. I've been busy this week. Or you can check all <laughs> those links in the description below. Wow, awesome. Wow. Yes. And also, guys, remember if you are fans of the show, and why wouldn't you be if you tune in every week? Uh, you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash movie dudes. And literally for less than the price of your daily Starbucks, you can buy the movie Mount Rushmore some support. At a bracket of your choosing. Right. Let's get into this bad boy. Right. Um, I feel wrong. I feel wrong. I feel wrong. Do I'm you now? Yeah, no, I do. I do. Jazz, take my spot, please. You deserve oh, to be. You deserve I to feel be. wrong. I feel wrong. Oh, Jazz. no, I feel a bit weird. Oh, no. Oh, oh don't put me in. We can get better than that. Jazz, wait. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants that. Everyone wants that. I even got people's polygraph done for you at the bottom. Look at this. Oh, Nico, you really have been busy this week. I have. I have. I have. I have. That's very sweet. So am I kicking things off then? You You are. are. I have no idea what your list is. I've just got your images ready to hand. So I'm I'm, I'm at your command. Awesome. Well, in that case, um, I'd love to know what you thought. Yes. Yes, Actress before movie. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know what you thought my list was going to be um like the order of it because mm. um as you said to me there are some pretty big hitters in there so oh, yeah. i'm starting off uh with here's here's where i get a little bit tricky and i'm starting off really tricky which is <laughs> you know good of me um a lot of the films that i chose had multiple british females that could be argued to be leading the movie uh-huh. So my first one is sort of a cross between Kira Knightley, Sir Sharon, and Romola Gary, um, and it's Atonement. Atonement. Okay, so we're not punting on Kira Knightley or any of the above. So Atonement. That is all you, Jazz. Awesome. Um. Yeah. Okay. I mean, look, <laughs> I hadn't seen Atonement until you guys asked me to pick some films for this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I just didn't think it was my sort of thing. It always seemed to me to be one of those, like, you know, sort of epic romancy sort of style films and just never saw it. I got convinced by a few of my friends that I really should watch it if I was going to weigh in on any sort of uh, British female, uh, British women in film sort of topic. And I thought they were all amazing. Um, I thought the performances were brilliant and I really enjoyed the atypical representation of like relationships between women in the film. Um, yeah, I, I just thought they were great. And I mean, okay, also, this is not 
a, a, a woman <laughs> in this scene, but the scene where James McAvoy is walking through the beach at, uh, I think it's Dunkirk, and it just follows him and the other like soldiers around is just incredible cinematography. I was just like blown away. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's so, all I really had to say about that. This this is a bit of a blind spot for me. This one, just on the basis that I've I am a fan of Joe Wright. AJ, you've def you've definitely seen some Joe Wright movies. What was the 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 Churchill one he did? Darkest Hour, I believe. Yeah, Darkest Hour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's a Joe Wright movie as well. He's very much got his foot in kind of period piece dramas. Oh yeah. I have not seen this one, so it's difficult for me to comment yes. further. Ooh, but yes. to oh, quote Gavin Mann here, where's AJ's punt for? <laughs> Very well played, Kevin. Very well played. Um, I yeah, I just didn't have. So here's the thing: I saw a Kira Knightley and Sam Worthington film actually, which nearly it was close, but it just didn't make the list. And Kira's more been supporting than lead in most of the films that I would say I'm a Kira Knightley fan of. So sadly, didn't make the list, Kevin. But I Atonement was on the list to see, but I just didn't have the time. So I'm glad someone's seen it. Oh, mm. Recommend it. Highly recommend it. Like as someone who really, really didn't think it was going to be her thing, it was it was uh, a surprise, a very good surprise. I'm actually really relieved to hear that as well because I, I was listening to what you were saying was very it echoed how I felt like it's on the list because I tried to catch as many films as possible, but there are some that you're like I'll catch that in time because just it doesn't seem to appeal. Yeah. But the fact that you said it, it it gives something that you can enjoy is quite refreshing actually. I am just so shocked you haven't put Pirates of the Caribbean in there. And yes, it is it is a lead. <laughs> no, no, it is it, it is a lead. No, no, it's support. Her and Orlando Bloom are supports. It's hundred percent. I'm sorry. No, I do not agree with that. They are the three uh, main characters. That's fine. What, no, Bender, like Beckham. No, is like, that too? This is this is when crazy because I have Kira on my list, like higher up as well. I. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> my, my yeah, yeah. Jazz, like more Kira really love than AJ this week. Yeah, I, I, I bend it like Beckham very near, very nearly made the list. It was on my initial like thoughts, but just didn't. Actually, quite a few good films out there. Jazz, before revealing the movie's name, who is your number nine? My number nine uh, is an actress who I've only seen in a couple of different works. Mm -hmm. um, but I've really enjoyed her so far, so maybe one to watch. It's Anya T Taylor Joy uh, and Mia Goth in Emma. <laughs> So, yeah, I, when I saw this come onto your list, I'm like, she's going to have to educate me here because I was under the impression that Anya Taylor-Joy was American. Now, she was so born in America, but she spent 10 years of her childhood growing up in the UK and claims she is British. And I'm not going to argue with the actress. So if she wants to say she's British, fine. Uh, like, as an Australian who has moved to Britain and, you know, considers herself pretty British as well, mm. I think... I think she deserves to be there. Also, Mia Goth, she's great. Um, mm. And yeah, I think having a creative team that is also uh, sort of British female-led uh, helps. Um, but yeah, no, Emma, um, another surprise for me. I don't know about you guys, but like, are you are you well up on your Jane Austen? period pieces nowhere near as much as i should be there's a top 10 aj <laughs> top 10 jane austen period pieces thank exactly. you <laughs> yeah. 
There's one. Oh, there's going to be some hunting this week. Um, yeah. So I, uh, for context, I've never seen uh, or read a uh, Pride and Prejudice, which is the big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had never read Emma. I've never, I've never actually finished a Jane Austen novel, which is an interesting thing to admit when you're touting a film that's based on a Jane Austen novel. I'm going to say, you're selling it to me here, Jess. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> um, but Emma, I saw in uh, cinemas because a lot of my friends really wanted to see it, are big Jane Austen fans. I was like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever, I'll go. It is so funny and so witty and so colourful and so, like, boisterous. I just felt immense joy the whole way through uh, watching Emma. And I think what Anya brings to uh, the role uh, that she's playing is that that sort of like childish charm uh, that just like carries the weight of a whole movie. It seems impossible for something so like lighthearted and fun to like carry this huge plot the whole way through, but she does it um, and she makes it look easy and you're just sort of taken along for the ride and it's it's a great time. <laughs> for the purpose of people like, me who haven't seen emma what is the plot right typical uh typical jane austen uh there is a young woman of society um she is uh sort of bringing another woman of her age into society who has come from sort of dubious backgrounds um and this is played by me and they are portrayed as uh sort of best friends throughout the movie and there's just a lot of that you know mistaken identity mistaken love mistaken like uh uh, displays of affection and it's it's really a sort of not coming of age uh story for emma the main character but more of a like coming of uh, acknowledgement of like the social contract of this character who has to realize that she cannot just play the puppet master. She has to take other people's feelings into consideration. And also she falls in love. (laughs) The universal story of love. I love it. It actually sounds really good. I've got to check that one out. I do. Yeah. It's it's another surprise. I must admit, I had a peak of it, but I think I was a bit filmed out because when it came out, it was um, during the good old lockdown days and I had gone back to back on movies and I just was like, I know my focus wasn't there and I've never been able to go back to give it a visit. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's on my my rewatch list. Yeah. And Jazz, I do apologize for Republic Productions who says, I can't tell if Jazz is an Aussie or a stiff ass Brit. Oh, come on. I'm both. (laughs) Black and whites? Black and whites in 2023? (laughs) I've missed you, mate. I really have. Andy Hart says, Atonement is a great book too. Ramona Garai is so underrated. Um, AJ, this is one Republic production says, do that top 10 Alfred Hitchcock one. We are going to have to do that this year. You know, we're going to have to get on with that. Um, RJ Skarenki to Jazz says, Mia Goth is such a talented actress. Loved her in X and Pearl. She's going to be the next big thing in horror. Thank you to you, West. Gavin Mann says, great bit of knowledge there. Thought Anya Telejoy was American too. Good shout on Mia Goth too, Jazz. I have one of her films on my list. Oh, excellent. I'd love to know which. Um... Because, yeah, and I think she's brilliant in, in Emma as well. 
Um, oh, dude, like I am such an Anya Taylor Joy fan. I can't tell you. I think I I, I thought she was brilliant in. I, I'm sorry to pull for the comic book movie here, but New Mutants, which I think is a criminally underrated film. I thought I she was. It's really surprisingly good, considering how shit I think the X-Men movies are. This I really, really enjoyed. She was um, awesome in Split. She's so good in Split. She was so good in The Witch, too, the Robert Eagers movie. And oh, Of course, I've seen The Witch and Queen's yeah. Gambit. No, no, go just, Queen's okay. Gambit. Yeah. I've Gambit. just seen last night the first two episodes of Queen's, Cat, Queen's Gambit, and I'm like, ha, yeah. It's fantastic. Jazz, very, very good. actress, you're number eight. Number eight, my number eight actress. Again, a little bit of a mix, less so than last time, but it is Carrie Mulligan and that's Kira Knightley. Oh, uh, that's all <laughs> no awesome. In Never Let Me Go. Never let me go, never let me go, never find the code, never find the image, never let me go. There we go, Kira. Um, yeah, so Never Let Me Go, interesting one, came out in 2010. Um, I think I probably saw it pretty close to when it was released originally because it sort of bubbled up from my memory somewhere as something that really, like, at the time, really had me feeling like I needed to go and seek out more, which is usually a sign of a good thing for me. So it happened when, for example, I watched Spirited Away and then had to seek out more of, like, Ghibli movies, etc. But Never Let Me Go was another one of these things where I was like, no, I need more of whatever that was. Um, turns out it was probably Kazuo Ishiguro, um, <laughs> uh, the, the writer for which, from which the film's adapted. Um, and it's apparently, and like, correct me if I'm wrong, Brits, one <laughs> of the like major syllabus uh novels or like works that is studied in british schools so i think i'm a bit immune to the thing that usually comes with that which is a bit of like eye rolling and oh yeah never let me go yeah we've all had to study that um because yeah. when i saw it i it was just so moving um and kerry plays this incredibly um sort of put together uh really sensitive like dampened down performance of someone who is sort of battling with the concept of whether or not they are actually human or worthy of sort of living or worthy of having human feelings and relationships. And I think that must be such a difficult thing to try and like pull out of a performance, but you really do sit there by the end of the film still thinking, huh, yeah, she's, spoilers, like a clone um she's not a person and you can see it in the way she's like portraying herself it's yeah it's just really interesting um i don't think i've ever seen a performance like it so yeah well yes three three movies three which i can't add anything to because jazz has decided <laughs> to come on the show and edutain me this way like, yeah. Like uh, <laughs> that one i must admit where the other two i've heard of or partially seen i've not heard and being in the school that we went to it wasn't on our reading curriculum so this is completely new to me actually mm. so, um, yeah i'm quite fascinated by interesting that. yeah i mean i i had never heard of it until i'd seen the film and then i was going through my list with my girlfriend this week and she was like oh yeah that's on a whole bunch of english curriculums and i was like oh really that's interesting um 
so maybe maybe it is maybe it was only in the midlands uh, she was yeah <laughs> from the midlands uh, fair enough could well be actually the, the, the lisa's uh, english literature syllabus decided to bless us with really really bad post-colonial literature not uh, good yeah really not good it's like every listen terrible for me to say this in the age that we're living in but i get you guys tuning hj's already worried <laughs> he's like, oh what is he gonna say <laughs> it's terrible for me to say this Bro, look, I, I, people tune in to hear honest truth, not to hear regurgitated bullshit, which they can tune into any channel to watch. Um, oh, how could I say this diplomatically? Yeah, post-colonial literature sucks. If I have to read about one more struggling family who's oppressed by the white man, I will slip my wrist because it's like, I know I'm a bad person because I'm white. Leave me alone. All right. I know I have white guilt. Yes, it's a thing. I have white guilt. I'm sorry that my ancestors were cunts. I'm really, really, really sorry. Not related. That doesn't mean I don't want to read Shakespeare in English literature. But no, I'll read Chinua Chebi. It's fine. I think what we need to realize here, Nico, is um, there is some media that is not produced for yourself. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and that it's very much being produced for uh, other parts of society as well. I but... don't understand. <laughs> Why? Why do they even bother? I don't understand, Jazz. I'm sorry. <laughs> I must be far too ignorant for that. Uh, Republic Productions says, I missed last week's episode as I was celebrating my 21st birthday. Happy birthday, happy birthday. to you, Republic happy Productions. Birthday. Everyone, happy everyone, birthday. please, in the comments, happy birthday for Republic Productions. Um, Gavin Mann says, never had let me go at school. We had Of Mice and Men and In Spectacles. We had both of those two. Two bangers, two right. bangers of the books there. Love those Great books. books. Um, Andy Hartz is too old for it to be on the curriculum, but we did have Margaret Atwood. Not familiar with that one. Not, not familiar with Margaret Atwood. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. It's fine. Not judging. Uh, maybe read read some, though. <laughs> Margaret Atwood. Okay, I'll read some yeah. Margaret Atwood. My apologies. Um, okay, I think we're going to play a little game now. With, uh, with... with the post-colonialism, yeah? <laughs> yeah! I had you to wear Chibi. That's why I don't know Margaret Atwood. You see, blame, blame my blame my English teacher. It's not my fault. Um, I can only read what they tell me to read. I don't have a mind of my own. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have a little game now with our live audience. As you know, AJ and I have smushed our top 10 list together. I would very much like you guys to have a guess at who uh, you're not gonna have much time because the person who picked the movie is gonna go on the big screen instead of jazz. But try if you can to have a guess to see which one of us pick this movie to be on the top 10 list let's see how well they know us aj and jazz you get ready to say punt when we say the actress's name yep at number 10 this must be a punt because it's your favorite actress emma thompson punt yeah, yeah. <laughs> there it is <laughs> <laughs> oh what have you done with emma thompson putting her in 10th how dare you <laughs> okay that is all him i objected <laughs> <laughs> AJ, we cannot be friends. No, 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 no. Now, I, there's only one way to do this. It's very difficult in the grand scheme when you are merging a list. Yes. Had this been AJ's individual list, this would be top five because I think it's a banger of a movie. However, when you go for, you've got the commons and then you've got some other films that just slightly overdo, I was like, well, it seems to have fallen in 10. I'm going to accept it. People have seen it coming at my number two of film of the year last year. So as much as you're trying to bury me, dude, it doesn't work. You put Emma in at number 10, not me. 
12. I put Emma in at number 10 because I disapprove of the movie you picked to represent Emma. First, as, as I said, I'm very, I'm very tight on what I call a lead and what I call support. I've, I've seen this already when you're Kira Knightley. Yeah, exactly. If You can imagine what it means if I'm going to omit Kira Knightley. That means I'm very specific on what I see it as. Right. In at number nine, just let me know if this is a punt or not, but I am bringing, or we are bringing, I should say, Judy Dench to the party. I don't think it's a punt. It's not a punt. Right. Then, in at number nine, Philomena. This movie is fantastic. Now, since I'm feeling controversial... If you needed more reason to hate the Catholic Church, please direct your attention to this movie. All of your hate will be fulfilled. Because as if writing a book called the Malleus Maleficarum in the 15th century, how do we kill women? Because, oh, I know, we'll call them witches. There we go. Sorted. Not allowing homosexual relationships of any sort. So I'm not even going to say homosexual. Same orientation and gender relationships of any sort that's a blaspheme shit man in some hardline sects of the church you can't even have sex because reasons <laughs> because apparently god likes to make fun of us he likes to give us all as humans this sexual desire that we're not allowed to laugh on because the catholics apparently believe god is upstairs saying if you have sex i'm going to punish you also meanwhile nina 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 no sex it's like what but people believe in this shit. Fine. Cool. This AJ is right up your street because it's a true story. It's based on a six myth book uh, called, if I'm not mistaken, The Lost Child of Philomena Lee. Okay. Here's the premise. Steve Coogan, who we all love, plays a reporter, former reporter, used to work for the BBC. Then he worked in Parliament for a while. He was subject to a smear campaign and he's kind of fallen off the rails. And he ends up having to resort to what you call... A people piece. People pieces are essentially, you know, predictable, happy or sad puff pieces, right? But he stumbles across this story, Philomena's story. Now, Philomena was a girl who had very, very consensual, happy sex. The problem is she happened to also be working towards being a nun 60 years before. And this is the true part. The church, and they didn't just do this to Philomena, they did this to thousands of Irish Catholics. They decide to shame the girls who have had sex. And if they get pregnant as a result, they sell their babies off to the highest bidder. This is a thing. The church did this shit. Selling women's babies while making them do slave labor in laundry rooms, making the nuns fucking top things, whatever they're called, all clean again. They're allowed to see their kid for once a day until the kid gets sold not with their permission of course and the story is philomena is trying to find her son again she hasn't seen her son for 50 years she starts crying having a breakdown her daughter says why today would have been your older brother's 50th birthday i didn't know i had an older brother enter steve coogan who's going on a mission to help her find her long lost son now does he find her does he find him rather does he not I could spoil it, but don't, I think part. Don't, 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 I think there is very, very much some holy shit moments in this movie. Very much some holy shit moments, and the movie does try to kind. It, it, it's it's not presented anywhere near as viscerally as it could have been, right? 
but it's still very clear that there is an evil going on here. You're kind of left to make up your own mind about whether you're angry or not about the status quo of the church, but they sold babies. I'm sorry. What the fuck? What is wrong with the church? That's literally human trafficking. You are selling people. What the fuck? That happened. And there are, and it, the movie ends literally saying there are still thousands of women who are trying to reconnect with their children who they haven't seen for years after having been slut shamed for having sex. It's like, I'm sorry. What world are we living in where this shit happens? This isn't okay. Yes, this movie made me very angry. The fact that this shit actually happened really got under my skin. Like, I knew the church was bad. Like, everyone knows that. Well, you should know that. Um, this was levels of fuckery. Like, this didn't happen, like, 500 years ago. This is recent. Like, this is within the last 100 years this shit was happening. Within the last 60 years this shit was happening. This is vile. And the church was getting away with this. <laughs> Um, Republic production. Oh, here we go with the Bond stuff. Judy Dench uh, was the second best um, be besides Bernard Lee. I'd actually go with that. I think that's fair. Ibrahim Elmela Mala says uh, Philomena. Now that's a good one. Thank you, Ibrahim. And uh, yeah, that's the comments. Right. Let's <clears throat> get. Any any comments, AJ or Jazz? No, 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 no. So that was a genuine clue in the throat. Sorry. Yeah, no, I've I've not seen it. Um, you're making me want to see it, so that's good. It's on Disney Plus. Okay. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Disney Plus and it's only got like an hour 50 runtime, so it's digestible. It's very digestible. Right, Jazz, in at number eight, uh, I imagine we're going to be punting here. Rachel Weiss. Are we punting? Are we punting? We're sort of punting. We're not really punting. I'm going to say we're not punting. Okay. So is Do, it your um, number? It's Rachel Weiss, your number seven, then. No. Then it's a pun. It, 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 well, it's, it's uh, well, it she's a support. She's a support. Okay, I see where you're going. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Is she, is she the focus of what you're going to talk about? Yeah, I'd say I'd say we'll probably get into her quite a bit. Let's punt. Cool. Let's punt. Let's yeah. Punt. Punty McPunty. Right, Jazz. Back over to you. Ooh, seven and six. Seven and six. Please. All right. In number seven, uh, one of the legends. Um, I have Julie Andrews. Oh, now that. Oh, shit. Sorry. That, madam, is that is a punt and a half. Yep. That's fair enough. <laughs> In at number six for you, Jazz. Number six, I have. This is a difficult one as well. I'm going to go with Alicia Weir. With. Oh. Go for it. Matilda the Musical. Okay. I think you're going to be speaking AJ's language here with that one. But yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what? Thank you. Like, honestly, the film was awesome. Like, it was fantastic. I had, a, it was so unexpected how good that film actually was. Mm -hmm. I had no intentions of, my girlfriend wanted to see it. And I was like, we'll see it, but I don't think it's going to be good. I had a problem with Lashana Lynch being Miss Honey. I had a problem with it being a musical. I came out loving both. Honestly, oh, like nothing to hate on that film. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got to say, I was really surprised with Lashana Lynch. I'd seen, I'd seen the casting and been like, oh, that's interesting. Um, but I mean, I was always, always going to see this film. 
the musical is one of my favorite musicals. It was written by one of my favorite composers. Um, and it was just a question of whether or not they did it justice. Um, Cause it's, it's, it's a horrible, horrible process taking a stage show to film. And it's so often done poorly um, and without any real effort because, you know, uh, most of the directing's done or they've got the audience that, you know, they, they, they are going to hope to have that will already see the film because they've come from watching it on stage. But I just think the direction specifically of Matilda, it, it's, it's, it just brings a whole other dimension, which is what is needed um, for a film to it. And I think because they had, it was Matthew Walkers on direction, who is the current AD of the Old Vic, so understands the language of stage, has also directed many, many successful films. Uh, Pride being one of them, Pride, another one of my favorite films. Um, and so I think you get like the, the level of expertise that you need to be able to take something from stage that is as big and like over the top and colorful, but also very theater and make it a movie successfully. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a great, it's a great adaptation. Um, and we've got to mention Emma Thompson as well here because Emma Thompson, uh, in the role of Trunchbull is just ridiculous. Um, a bit of a, a step away from the usual, like pantomime, uh, pantomime dame situation that they have going on there. Um, when they go take it back to film, cause it is usually played by a man, uh, on stage, but, oh, Emma Thompson in this film. I could just watch her playing the Trunchbull forever for the rest of my life. It'd be, uh, yeah, great. I, um, I've got to say, I saw, I saw this one at the matinee screening uh, at the London Film Festival with about 20 school groups in yeah. the same cinema as us. <laughs> and it was just such a joy seeing the kids all get riled up by the same sort of things. Like when the kids were winning in the movie, the kids in the cinema were going crazy. They loved it. And that's like, cool. I, I mean, that's a good sign, isn't it? Yeah. Of, of having a good kids film is, yeah, when you can get that sort of reaction from the target audience, like you're winning. You are, you are. That, that's a really lovely point, which is, you know, I mean, I think what was it, Asia, when we all went to see Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the kids in there were acting like prats. So yeah. it's actually nice to hear when kids go to movies that they really get into it. Movie magic. Very happy to hear all that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. No, honestly, Nick, and I know you've seen the original movie. It's different. There are some parts that I, it was a bit weird to me. I don't know if it's in the, I've not seen the musical. I've read the book and I've seen the film and the, the, the building of the, like Matilda's story writing and whatnot mm -hmm. it was different, but it's something I really took on board. It, it was quite a refreshing film. I just remember thinking I'm not going to, the most negative approach going into a film was that one. I was like, okay, we'll do it. And the more this film went on, I just remember looking at like, oh, this, this is actually good, isn't it? Like, she's like, yeah. And we, you know, and she spoke to one of her friends who's also seen it. And was like, it's a good film. Excuse me. I was surprised at how good it was. I genuinely, hand on heart, was this. This was refreshing. I would encourage you to watch it, but I know it might damage you, Nick, because there are some tropes that still wind you up. But no, it's a great <laughs> film. And everything that Jazz has said, I, I can only but echo. Honestly, it's great. Is it better I'd than the original? Game. 
I would say I don't, I you cannot say. compare them. You can't compare you can't them. Compare That's them. a good answer. I'll watch it in that case. Yeah. You can't compare them, but I prefer that one. I prefer the musical, hands down. Yeah? So you prefer it to the one that you were praising for years, and Jazz okay, is saying say, that it's nothing one, like the other one. I was Good. holding you one because it was there, and it, it was more the love of the book that made me appreciate it. This one, though it deviates from the book that I know and love, I like the film. It's okay. it's very well made. It there are genuinely charming elements to this film that I think you will enjoy. Okay, between the two of you, you've actually swayed me. I'm going to check out this movie because I've jazz. I've got no time for the original, like none. Interesting. Not That's very fan. interesting. It's such a like big nostalgia hit for our generation. It's not for me. I never yeah. saw it as a kid. I never saw it as a kid. Uh, well, that's where you went wrong. Of course, you were never going to like it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. Ibrahim El Mala says, "Nice one, Jazz." Julie Andrew is be so beautiful. We agree on that. Andy Hart says, I'm concerned about the Rachel Weiss movie you pair may pick. Oh, Andy, ye of little faith. Stay tuned and you shall find out. Uh, Makes Memorabilia says, hi, everyone. I'm late today. Also, Makes Memorabilia, I've seen you've disappeared from Twitter. So I'd like to know what's going on there. But glad to see you still here. Thank you for Thanks, joining us. And Makes Memorabilia, please give a big hello to Jazz from the People's Polygraph. I'm um, just concerned with the ones that Andy listed. Are they good or bad? I just want to know which They were good. They were good. They were good. They were good. Um, actually, do you know what? For the fuck of it, I'm going to star his message because, uh, yeah, you'll see. Um, <laughs> uh, so that was your number seven, right, Jazz? Uh, that was my number six. That was your number six. We punted on your seven, did we? Yes, we did. We did. Okay, cool. So get rid of that one. So over to our seven and six then, AJ. Uh, right. We are bringing at number seven, Kate Winslet to the party. Is that a punt or are we in? We're in. Right, everyone. Would you like to take a guess who's bringing Kate Winslet to the party? Because the movie we're talking about is Titanic. Right. Let's see. It. There's a little delay, so people will start typing. But yeah, it's this guy. <laughs> Do you know what? I just felt for the love that the film has had, it would be like we'd be remiss to not. I, I think every time we've ever spoken Titanic, I think we've discredited Kate Winslet. Honestly, mm. I think we've always given it oh, Leo's performance. And for me, it was one of my turnarounds because I never gave Leonardo DiCaprio much attention before that. I was just like, I didn't appreciate his film. Personal like, stupidity. And that's it. And I was going through this and I was like, yeah. And I've, prior, we had spoken Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And again, I call that. Yep, that's the one I one. wanted to bring. That's what Andy said. Not I Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mind. I've got yeah. to agree with that. That's a that's a supporting role. Supporting Eternal role. Sunshine. It's a supporting role. This is a co-lead. Oh, you, you are strict, aren't you? Fuck. I'm sure if you could even check, like, depending on the part, I'm sure if she was nominated, you would see that she was under best support Carry in the on. I'm going to do a little Oscar dig here. Carry on. Yeah, go for it. But it's just, I, I'm very sure of it. Now, again, as I said, I, I mean, who doesn't know the story of Titanic? I feel like I'm just going to be waffling on a bit because it's Titanic and everyone knows. But it's, as I said, it's just this love story of, you know, a, a woman with a, 
a partner who's a bit of a prick. <laughs> so she she meets a man that had no right being on this boat. And it's, you know, the love story that's passed many generations, even though she, it was, you know, a, a short time. It's it's a, a love she forever remembers. And that that's what sticks to me. And when I was just looking at it and I was thinking that Titanic's had so many awards, each time we talked Titanic, we're like, Leo was brilliant. Leo was brilliant. Why? All that people ever say about Kate Winslet is there was space on the board. That is disrespectful. She is an Oscar winning actress for that same performance. Can we please put some respect on Kate Winslet's name in this movie? I mean, yeah, I, I, I'll carry on and say that I really think people should just now stop being in the uh, stop being in the game of not believing in James Cameron because it's not healthy for you. I've said this so many times. Ugh, and Avatar 2 is not going to make money. Shut the fuck up. I said this on podcast weeks before it came out. And, oh, by the way, I'd just like to say, actress in a leading role, 2005, Kate Winslet was nominated. Just want to put that out there. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, nominated for leading role. I, I, I That's really weird to me. I would have put so good at supporting. I, I, look, it, it is what it is, and I, I, I apologise. But <laughs> I think we've got a bit of an interesting wording of the topic as well, because if you've got a film that is being led by a woman, you can't say that Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is led by Kate Winslet. That film is very much um, led by, oh, my God, what's his name? Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, she, she was definitely a, a big enough part to, I suppose, be nominated for the leading actress category. But I don't think you can say she led the film. I'd go with that. I'd say she was very much an important catalyst for why he is the way he is, but whether that merits being called the lead or not. Well, the Oscars think she's a lead, and you know I have a lot of respect for them. But um, look, there's going back to a point, AJ, there's definitely something to be to add to what you've said. I people all, It literally says in the description of this video and of this podcast, the whole world, including us in the Movie Mount Rushmore podcast, is guilty of putting too much emphasis on the male performances and the male roles and the male directors. And that, that, that's part of what this episode is about, is shining some light, some needed fucking light on the women who often are not given their dues. Um, and I think it's true what you're saying. And there is going to be a movie we bring up later where people are going to be... I know for a fact people are going to go, oh, but he was the star in that. I don't agree. He was the obvious... In the movie we're going to talk about later, he was... Yes, very much the obvious person who your eye is drawn to. But it's like, AJ, it's like wrestling. Yes, if you're really good, you can make a broom look good. Yeah. But you still need the broom. You can't wrestle thin air. You still need the broom. In this case, I'm not, I'm not likening Kate Winslet to a broom or the woman I'm going to talk, to, uh, talk about later to a broom. But I'm saying it takes two to tango. You could be Daniel Day-Lewis. You still need Cameron Diaz and Gangs of New York to act off. You know, you, you need people to act off. And I don't think Kate Winslet, by any stretch of the imagination, is outacted in any capacity in Titanic. I think she no. very much holds her own with DiCaprio. And I think because they're such powerhouse actors, the two of them, this, they, they share the screen time poetically Titanic. together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, they're great together. Um, so, yeah, that was Kate Winslet at our number seven. Ha, I'm happy with this next one. In at number six, I'm bringing Felicity Jones to the party. Are we having a punt there? Not having a punt. Oh, I'm so happy about this one. Felicity <laughs> Jones in Rogue One, a Star Great Wars film. story. 
Oh, it's so good. Do you know what? If you go back onto our channel right now and watch my review for Rogue One, I did not like this film when it came out. I really did not like this film when it came out at all because I think it was mismarketed. They overpromised on things and they took they took the focus away from the things that were important. The big thing was Darth Vader's back. Darth Vader. Darth Vader's in it for one fucking minute. Like people, are, oh, but you feel his presence. No, you don't. You feel the Empire's presence throughout. And yes, is the scene is is see, I'm talking about a man here. Is the fucking scene in the corridor with him doing his badass lightsaber stuff amazing? Yes, it's amazing. But he's not the focus of the movie. And Disney tricked me. They said he's gonna be a big focus of the movie. So I go in expecting like a prequel Darth Vader movie. Sons Hayden Christensen. I'm supposed to be a happy man. I walk out going, it was two and a half hours and I got one minute. What the fuck? <laughs> Upon many, 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 many rewatches, the film has just got progressively better and better and better and better. And I've seen what Gareth Edwards likes to do with his movies now. Just like he did with Godzilla, the guy loves a slow burn. He loves to like boil the water very slowly and then he likes to crank it up in the final act and just make you go sit down i got you because oh my god does this movie stick the landing and what what the movie's guilty of and that's why i've put felicity jones on here is because what the movie's guilty of is that entering this movie you already know that everyone is dying this isn't a spoiler if you've seen the six star wars movies you know that everyone is toast in this movie they are not making out it out of this movie alive right so you have literally got one take to make these characters memorable. And I'll stand on this hill alone and say, other than Felicity Jones, I didn't, and K2SO, I love the fucking droid. But other than the droid and Felicity Jones, I didn't think the characters were memorable. I, to, no, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I think Cassian Andor's a boring fuck. Um, oh, going to have to disagree with you. I'm, minute, I know oof. I'm on a very, very small <laughs> island here of people who think that I am not a fan of Cassian Andor as a character. Chirut Imwe is somewhat interesting, but again, as with many things, they've taken it too far. I'm one with the force and the forces of me. You're a meme. You've taken it too far. You are literally a meme now, but still cool in some aspects. But Felicity Joan was such a badass in this. I loved it. I loved the, the, the kind of overdramatic story that you get with these great space fantasies it's like of course she's an or of course she's an orphan except she's not and of course her father turns out to be the the betrayer of the empire and of, but then you have a bit of cheese in there stardust you, you didn't need to do that the stardust thing was cheese on cheese on a stick you did not need to do that despite the cheese and despite the characters surrounding her not being of the highest caliber in my humble opinion she was fucking awesome in this and I want to see more of her. Where is Felicity Jones? I want to see more Felicity Jones in my life because she's a badass. She's a bona fide badass. I know you've got things that you want to add to this. I do. <laughs> I agree. Felicity Jones like comes across as a, a badass in this. Rogue One was uh, on my list kind of for a bit, but I took the tack in the end of weighing the performance more than the film. I love Rogue One. Love mm. it. Like it's a really good sort of pushing off point for like the middle management of Star Wars. And I fucking love getting into the like other layers of this epic space fantasy sort of thing. Mm. Um, 
but I think you get into a trap with a lot of Star Wars acting of being Star Wars acting, yes. uh, of doing the like hyper melodramatic, hyper action, hyper, like it's, it doesn't take a lot to look like a badass, you know? Um, but I mean, if you wear it well, you wear it well and she wears it well. Um, I do, I do think you're giving Cassian a bit of a, I don't Everyone know. Does. Yeah. Everyone does. Yeah. I guess I don't need my two cents in there, but yeah. Andy Hoss is saying yes. Cassian Andor is better. I turned off after three episodes. Went, I'm done. It's so interesting. How boring. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> have you read? Have you read Carl's Capital? <laughs> I have not. <laughs> okay. All right. Read. Read that, and then watch Andor, and and we'll we'll talk. <laughs> it's just people are saying it's the best Star Wars show I'm ever. Met. You know the Mandalorian's a thing, yeah? Like behave, everyone. <laughs> Mm, mm. couldn't do it dude Three i think episodes. they're just different like they're entirely different genres it's it's like they're trying to take uh all of the the nitty-gritty and the like sort of boring aspects of this you know we've said it three times now epic space fantasy and i find that concept the the concept of there being actual real people living in this world so interesting um, cause it doesn't take, you know, one good guy and one bad guy to create a space battle. It takes like little groups of outcast rebels fighting each other Sure. and watching that happen. So interesting. So why make the characters so boring? <laughs> it's like, they're amazed. Oh, he's like emo man. I'm like, bro, just have a Coke and a smile for once, please. And it annoyed me because Andor took some risks in the Star Wars, like, the show literally opens in a brothel. I'm like, okay, what are we doing? I'm intrigued. Not just because it's a brothel and, you know, space titties, but because it's not something you would think Star Wars would do. You wouldn't think that, you know, the hyper kid-friendly Star Wars would do something that, by Star Wars' standards, risque. And yet here we are. And you've got Andor murdering people in cold blood in the first episode. And I'm like, I'm interested. What do you have? And then I saw episode two and three. I went, bye. I'm done. Well, here's the thing. So you stopped at episode three? Yes. Because Andy is saying you need to get back to Andor. It's a totally different show after episode four. So why are the first, why, why are the first three episodes there? <laughs> this, I, this, I don't know. I'm just... <laughs> what what's the there. fuck are we doing? And <laughs> Republic Productions. It's called creating a context to build a story on. <laughs> get there faster. <laughs> like You oh. don't need three hours to create context. When you've got um, a whole TV show, you may as well. That doesn't mean you should. <laughs> oh, look, Republic Productions and me are disagreeing. Shock horror. <laughs> <laughs> and or over Mandalorian. No. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> That's fine. And Gavin lets us know that Mandalorian live back next week. Yeah, so excited. Baby Yoda for the win. Um, he's called Grogu. I know. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> fucking other Star Wars fans get so like. <laughs> Most toxic fans in the world. I'll start, I really believe in that. Like you say one thing. Like, Actually, he was from that era with this lightsaber. Shut up, please. Like, Do you know they have, they have a central uh, archive where everyone who has ever been in a Star Wars film and had like any sort of impact has to go to this archive, have their photo taken and have everything written down about them. It is, it's not the internet. 
It is a central Star Wars archive that is run by Star Wars. <laughs> Which I find Mental. fascinating. <laughs> oh, no, we've just we've just discovered the no, you can't. We've just discovered the we've just discovered the roots of uh we've just discovered the roots of Skynet. <laughs> Yeah. Public production says Mando season two is hot dog shit. Cool. That's how I feel about Andor. Moving on. Um, right. <laughs> Andy says, Nico, it's a big arc. They get through the story of about three different shows and we are only halfway through. Yeah, I don't care about him. <laughs> don't care about the character. Oh, um, so that was our number six. Right. We are trading one apiece. Just before we do a quick word from our sponsor. Hello, film family. Nico here from the Silver Screen Dudes, and I am here today to talk to you about Movie Palette, this beautiful piece of artwork that you can see in front of me here. Movie Palette is something that I think is going to be absolutely perfect and essential for our existing Silver Screen Dudes, Movie Mount Rushmore film family. The geeks that exist in our community and the passion that you all have for film, I genuinely think this product is going to recognize, uh, is going to resonate with you. Here's how Movie Palette works. A Movie Palette is a distinctive way to enjoy your favorite movie displayed artistically on canvas. The Movie Palettes are carefully crafted by digital artists who choose the dominant colors from each scene of your favorite movie. These vibrant colors are arranged side by side in stripes on a high quality canvas. The stripes are displayed in chronological order and the width of each corresponds to the length of the movie scene. The result is an intriguing piece of artwork that gives you a unique view of movies that you've seen many times before. This one I've got here happens to be from my favorite sci-fi movie, The Thing. And as you can see, we start off in the ice here and we finish off all dark with Kurt Russell in, in the snow just about to die. Is he the thing? Is he not? The entire movie, scene by scene, is captured in this canvas. If you're not a fan of the thing, don't sweat it. If you head on over to moviepalette.com now all, and you click on the All the Movies tab, you will see that there are nearly two and a half thousand movie palettes already there from the world's most popular movies, including IMDb's Top 250. There's even some TV shows in there. Can't find what you're looking for, unlikely, but possible with the knowledge of our film community. Well, you can actually send Movie Palette the movie you love with the date that that movie was made in, and they will create a custom Movie Palette of the movie that you send them. And the best part is, as they are friends of the show, if you use code SILVER15 right now, you will be able to get 15% off all your orders from Movie Palette. So, guys, Honestly, this, as you can see from the live stream already, is hanging on the back of my wall. I love it. It's really added something to the streams. It's added something to my workspace. I can't recommend it enough. And as I've said already, given the type of audience that we have and the film fans that we have in our community and the attention to detail that we discuss every single week on the Movie Matt Rushmore podcast, I genuinely think you guys are going to love Movie Palette. So use code SILVER15 right now and get 15% off your orders and get a movie palette up on your wall. And now back to the show. And Pedro Santos has decided to join us. Opa, opa, opa. Great very quickly, here, but looks a bit, yeah. Very so. quickly, but that's fine, Pedro. Just leave that like before you leave, please, brother. Much appreciated. And Republic Production says, can I get one of those for North by Northwest? Yes, you can. Use code SILVER15 to check out and get your discount, brother. Get on it. Give yourself a little late birthday present. Yeah, Jazz, who is your who is your number five? My number five 
is uh, another, uh, uh, I guess, co uh, lead. Uh, we have Olivia Coleman, and this was my Rachel Weiss. Yes. Uh, is this a punt? No, no, you you took Rachel Wise from us already. Um, Heck so, yeah, yeah, no, I was wondering if we were going to punt this film because uh, it's brilliant. I wanted the this favorite. film so much. It's the favorite. Okay. <laughs> Come on. AJ doesn't like this movie. Why? I Why on like... earth? No, I would love to know in a second. No, it's one of those things I actually went in with the intentions of loving this film because I heard everything that Nick was saying about it in previous discussions my girlfriend had seen it and wasn't a fan and i shouldn't say i picked a side but i picked a side <laughs> <laughs> she was on the losing end and i was like no i'm really and again emma stone is one of my like i love an emma stone movie i will run to an emma stone movie left right and center and rachel wise is also cool and i've got no beef with olivia coleman um but it, there was just something about it it's not that i didn't like it i just couldn't tune into the film properly and I feel like I need to rewatch. I was just like, what is going on? It's not, I'm not, I don't want to call it a victim of overhype, but it wasn't what I was expecting from it to a degree. And I was just like, it's not a bad, mm. excuse me, it's not a bad story, but it's just not grabbing me in the way that I was expecting it to. So that's where I'm at. I wouldn't say hate the film. It just didn't meet the expectation I previously had for it. And I, yeah, that's just where I'm at. By the way, Nick, no. um, just had to do a bit of research. Mm. Best Supporting Actress nominee in 2019 was Rachel Wise for this film. So my, mm -hmm. my argument stands as to why that film didn't count. I would have gone for Olivia Coleman to argue with you then, bro. Well, then pick her and then we could have had both. Well, I fucked up, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll give it to you, Jazz. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. No, um, Olivia Coleman, absolutely. Uh, I mean... <laughs> We don't need to talk about the Oscars, um, that that sort of surprise win and then the fucking excellent speech. Can I swear? Uh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. She was brilliant. Loved her. Um, I think the thing that did it for me with this film, so, I mean, the favourite uh, set during the time of Queen Anne, it is uh, essentially, uh, I mean, it's, it's based on, a, like, the, the actual historical um sort of people of the time who were around the court of Queen Anne. Um, but it's it's sort of a, a grappling between cousins, uh, one of whom is already the Queen's favourite, one of whom comes in after falling on hard times uh, and attempts to sort of claw her way up in the world. Um, and I think the thing that I really, that really caught me about the favourite was we never know how anyone feels about any of the other characters. It's all so underhanded and shifty and like everyone is acting someone who is acting genuine that it's just, it's, it's intriguing um, and it just, it pulls me the whole way to try and figure out what everyone is actually feeling towards each other, especially in the trio um, of Queen Anne, uh, Lady Marlborough and um, uh, Emma Stone's character, the, the cousin. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's what really caught me about this. Then there's, of course, Olivia Coleman, who is brilliant in this. Um, I don't think she's really ever done anything like it before. Um, I couldn't like uh, remember her having done anything like it but i might be was uh, this mistaken the oh the uh, crown rather yes this was before the crown okay um this this was 2018 so i think she would have been filming the crown after that mm. probably 
Um, but she, I mean, she she plays this head of state who is such a child, <laughs> but still, I mean, where I would find that sort of characterization incredibly annoying uh, in, in most instances, I find her charming and I pity her the whole way through as well. It's, yeah. it's this great sort of deep performance of someone who is at this unattainable level of society um, dealing with people who are trying to get to that level of society, but not really knowing what's going on. It's yeah, it's just fantastic. It really is. It's uh, Olivia Coleman, man. Like if she carries on the way she's going, she's going to start getting in that conversation with Frances McDormand, Kate Blanchett and Helen Mirren and Meryl Streep, you know, like she's on that trajectory. It just seems that every freaking year we get to award season, it's like best leading actress, Olivia Coleman, best leading actress, Olivia Coleman, she or best supporting actress, Olivia Coleman. She's always in the discussion now. She is yep. a powerhouse. Yeah, and she, yeah. I love what you said there, Jazz, the way she's playing both like this childlike character, but who has to exert authority. It's such an interesting balance that she had to play as an actress to portray that. Mm -hmm. I, oh, I freaking love this movie. AJ, I'm going to go on a limb here and say you haven't seen any of other Yagosh uh, uh, Lanthimos's movies, have you? No, no. Okay. Bad. He's very weird. Yes, incredibly weird. The lobster. Yes, uh... great film. <laughs> <laughs> and um is he killing of a sacred deer as well i think is that not milosh foreman i you oh, may no. be right let me let, okay imdb is your friend lobster. i will add that to my list to see list it's so on netflix it's weird be warned it's weird killing of a sacred deer no it is yargos you're quite it's right killing of a sacred deer okay yeah yeah He's AJ. He's very. They're, they're films. <laughs> they're films that haunt you. They yeah. like they stick around in your head and they sort of stay there. And you find yourself thinking about it like a week later, going like, I wonder what they meant by this particular bit. Um, yeah. yeah. Every single very, movie very cool. that Robert Eggers has ever made, basically. <laughs> the Witch, The Lighthouse, yeah. Yeah. And The Northman. Oh my God, Linga. <laughs> mm. Um, cool. So, AJ, what that means, we've got to talk about our punt, our Rachel Weiss movie. Rachel Weiss, yes, please. Yes. AJ, um, this, this, is is, this is you, I'm afraid. This is what well, I'm afraid. This is you, and that is Andy. Don't worry, it's disobedience. <laughs> disobedience. Um, yeah. So it's really funny when you brought up the Philomena part, and you were talking about the whole Christianity and Catholics and all the stuff that happens here, because this actually focuses on the Jewish community. And also, I just found it so weird how it was one after the other that followed <laughs> in terms of our ranking without it actually being, it was just pure coincidence, actually. So this is the story of um, Rachel Wise's character. I thought this a few years back, but it stuck with me in the film who comes back to the UK following her father's death. And you can see that she's been extradited essentially from the Orthodox Jewish community that she lives in, that she's a part of, because we're not too sure what's going on, but she has a very close relationship with Rachel McAdams, who's married to, I believe, is it her friend or her cousin? It's been a while since I've seen this film, so bear with me on this. But, that's that's there. So they, they were a bit of a trio, but that you can see that these two are really close. And it actually turns out that they were actually lovers. So Rachel McAdams and Rachel Wise were uh, 
in a relationship prior and I think it was it just got too close and it was frowned upon within the orthodox Jewish community and that's why she left because she doesn't meet the status quo of what they expect of people within in within that community and whatnot and her coming back into town just sparks up a whole load of old emotions and it starts to tread waters of if they should get back. You know, I don't want to get into a spoiler territory, but you can start to see that they get closer. Do they get back together? Do they not? Do they go? Do they follow their heart? Do they follow religion? There's a lot of that question that um, that comes up in it, and I, I just remember seeing it and thought it was an absolutely amazing movie. I, it, it's one that stuck with me since I've seen it. Um, yeah, that's the one for me for Rachel Wise. Any time I hear Rachel Wise, as much as I've always like fascination with the mummy and other films yes. that she's won. Yeah, this one, I was like, wow. You know, I've seen her in many stuff, but this really sticks out to me as a Rachel Wise movie. Andy Hart says, I'm sorry I ever yes! you. Good. Andy, do you know what? I appreciate a man who can, who has, who has the gall to say, my bad. No, Most no, people no. don't. No, is, no, it's true. It's true. Most people don't have the testicular fortitude to just put their hands up and go, my bad. Respect, Andy. No, thank you for that, Andy. And yeah, it's there. And again, Nick, I, I thought it, I, I know for a fact it's on Brickbox, but I was shocked to see it's on Disney Plus. So if you haven't seen, well, I know you've not seen it, bro. Give it a shot. It's a, it's a great film. Jazz, have you seen this one? Have not seen it, but I will be watching it. Yes, yeah, on awesome. Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. On it. So that was Jazz's five and our eight, which we had punted on. So our five. Uh, uh, five, we are bringing Helen Mirren to the party. Is that a punt, Jazz? Not a punt. Okie dokie, AJ. It's all you. Okay, it's on me again. Eye in the sky. Whew. Oh my days, what a film. Mm -hmm. What a film. And I only saw this a couple of days ago. And it was one when the Silver Grits. That when the silver screen dudes first started way before pod and we were trying youtube out for the first time around we were running to like silly world every two minutes and trying to catch all the films and i remember seeing the trailer for this film and thinking i need to see it but for some reason it didn't get the best runtime in the cinema and completely mm. missed it and i've forever wanted to watch it you just don't get the time you forget where it's at and this this topic came up and I was like, there's that Helen Mirren movie. What was it? And for the longest while, I was like, it's called Eagle Eye. I'm doing that. I'm seeing Shia LaBeouf. I'm like, no, it's not that. What's the name of this film? I'm going I through. like Eagle Eye. <laughs> I'm, I'm going through IMDb trying to find it. And the minute I found it, I was like, right, let's go. Let's see what's available. And so thankful that it was just there on, on um, YouTube, on Netflix. And I just love this film. It's yep. all about Helen Mirren as a high ranked army member i can't remember if it's general Kurt or whatever who essentially is on a a cap yeah capture mission on, on on a mission to capture a group of terrorists it's not an assassination by any means they're meant to take these people bring them in for questioning one of them being a uk convert someone who's from who's converted to islam from the uk and as they're doing that, they realize that there's an opportunity. Well, they realize they, the, the, the arranged place where they were meant to meet has been slightly compromised. Certain people were meant to be there or arriving. They're already there. And now they start to follow them as they're going off to a new journey. And now they find out that they have got, um, they, they've got a load of bombs and they're going to carry out a few suicide missions. And they're about to go to... Um, eliminate them but it comes into all the procedures of if they're allowed to take the shot it's there it's it will save lives 
but the impact. There's, there's a person who's of US descent, so you have to get clearance from the US government. You need clearance from the foreign secretary. You need clearance from the, from the, the prime minister. All of these elements come into it. And now that they've got full clearance to it, and they're about to take the shot, there's a young girl who was in the blast radius, and her being in that blast radius poses more questions. And it's a question of, can you take the shot? Is it worth sacrificing this young girl's life for the greater good of everyone there? What are the fallouts that even if you do save these lives, what is the fallout of being part of the government? If this video leaks and you can see that there was an innocent child there and you've taken the shot and you've killed her. The tension that came on on this film yeah. for me, I was, oh, oh, the Goosebumps even talking about this film again. I was blown away absolutely love this film and Helen Mirren just delivers and it's it's amazing how cold when I first had this list I had Helen Mirren down as the queen yeah that was honest true by the time I saw this film I was like you have ah oh, the 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 determination the grit behind her character in this film was amazing absolutely loved it I'm only going off of memory for this one, so I can't talk about it with as much passion as you. But it was it, it was literally yesterday, wasn't it? Why was it? Hang on, I and the sky, they bombed. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Something happens yeah. to the kid, right? Yeah. And yeah. you're like, that one. I'm like, oh, yes, this is a very, very good and movie. And to yes. answer your question, Gavin, yes, this is, I think, Alan Rickman done a voiceover in another film, um, in an animation, but this is the last actual film Alan Rickman is featured in so it, at the end of the film it does say dedicate in memory of alan rickman or dedicated to our friend alan rickman yeah i missed that motherfucker man god yeah, he was I good god he was good um jazz it is back over to you with your number four who are you bringing to the party this one this one is a little off kilter i've got to admit um i am bringing annis elwi to the party who's a welsh actress <laughs> This is for the 2021 film, The Feast. Um, this film uh, played at the London Film Festival 2022. Uh, it's a Welsh language film. Um, it is the only Welsh language, language film I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but it is a thriller slash horror um, that plays more like a sort of mythological revenge film um oh. it's very good um so annas plays in this film uh a a sort of uh hire, hired out serving girl it's modern time setting uh she's going to help out at a uh, house party uh, a sort of dinner party for a local mp um who is discussing tearing down a local hill slash forest you know the drill um and annis uh comes in as the serving girl who is actually uh, uh sort of the spirit of the area uh who is coming to enact revenge on the mp and the guests at this dinner party um for their plans to destroy this like dark mythological area of the Welsh landscape. And I, I'm a big fan of thriller horror movies. Um, this film is so unsettling and the way she plays this character is so horrifying. <laughs> um, nice. 
it, it's just essentials up my spine just watching her um, walk through this movie as this like unseen monster. Um, and I think it, it it's sort of absurd in a weird way. Um, I think if you were to go off and watch this and go into it thinking that it was a horror slash thriller film, you might come out of it thinking, oh, well, that was a bit like over the top melodramatic, like the effects are a bit sort of unbelievable but i think it's it plays better as an absurdist rendering of everything that's happening i mean like in this film people there's cannibalism it came through with that like great wave of cannibalism over the last couple of years um someone gets like chopped off at the ankles or feet or, or or knees or something and is dragging themselves around like spilling this bright red blood everywhere it's just great great fun <laughs> if you're into thriller and she's fantastic Anna Selwy oh <laughs> absurdism Welcome. oh you are right talk push saying all the right things to me there Jazz. <laughs> um oh. great I I would highly recommend it it was one of my like top films that I saw um, now, would you agree, or would you, I don't know if it's something to agree on or not, would you say that this very much falls into what they call like auto-horror, elevated horror, which isn't just there to do the cheap jump scares, it's actually there to do talk about a taboo topic and make you uh, think? Yes, absolutely. Oh, this, this a bit yeah. of me. <laughs> AJ, I know what I'm watching tonight. Um, how easy or hard is this movie to find? I'm not sure. I, I will admit, I didn't look for it again since this, but it looks like... It's an AJ vision. Uh, here we go. Andy <laughs> said something. It's on the BFI player? So it's an AJ so... vision. Okay, cool. <laughs> In, inside joke, Jazz, whenever something's not on one of the main streaming services, AJ has his means of finding movies, so we call it AJ vision. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, it might be a bit, bit more difficult to get a hand on, but um, yeah. worth it if you can. Sell the seven seas. Um, <laughs> no, this sounds right up my street. Thank you for that one, Jazz. I am you're welcome watching that one tonight. Yes, AJ, elevated horror. You know that my jam, boy. I know, I know. You know that's all about me. Uh, right. Um, Jazz are four. Where it was the punt from earlier. So we're mm -hmm. gonna we'll go first because it obviously the movie's higher for us. Um it's Judy Andrews, and let's bring my man here back on. <laughs> you are allowed to talk, bro. <laughs> it, you, right, it's your pick, Mary, Mary Poppins. Oh, what can we say? Mary Poppins. It, it's it, an all-timer. It's an all-time classic, and it's Julie Andrews, the all-time classic actress. It just feels like the blend. Um, I will be honest, I was very torn between that and your pick, Jazz. I, I was, I was. The same, so much. Same. It, it, it cheers me so much. And I was like, you know what? I And I really like your pick. And, and it's a newer film to me. And I think that's what tipped it. I was like, I've been following Mary Poppins' journey for a much longer time. It's, my, it's to my discredit that that film, yours, came later on. And it was just the magic of that Lanny. And I'll be honest, someone else has done this. I'm not going to mention the actress in case she's on your list, but has done the sequel to that film. And it just didn't hit as well to me. I didn't say I didn't enjoy it. It was better than people gave it credit for, though. I, I, listen, I, I, I agree give with it that. respect, but to me, there's only one Miss Poppins. And oh, yes. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 found in the original, and that's the magic of Mary Poppins. And Julie Andrews just brings that character to life in such a way that, as much as someone else done it, it she just proved. You know where everyone was like, Jack Nicholson is the Joker and he can't be replaced. Then along comes Heath Ledger, and then comes Phoenix. This one shows that there is only but one. With the highest respect to anyone who tries to come along, we only have one Mary Poppins. Until we don't. Well, yeah, look, someone will come along eventually, but as it currently stands, there is only one winner. For Watch Alicia Vikander squash this shit. <laughs> you know she could, too. She could. Um, the same way you're a bit defensive about who should play Bond, I'm going to wave the flag that I would like to see a Brit maintain the position of Mary Poppins. Hell yeah. Just a personal yeah. belief. Um uh, yeah, so Alicia Vikander wouldn't qualify. I'm fine with that. She wouldn't qualify, although she does like a, a freaking perfect British accent. Alicia I'm Vikander. Not, I'm not going to argue with that either. But yeah, but so I can rock with that. It has to be a Brit. Yeah. Want, me, want, want me to really annoy Jazz now? Oh, really? Go on. Oh, I, I could do hold a dream on, hold on. While you do, go, go. Just, just take full screen. While you do. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is going to piss you off something rotten. Dream casting for Mary Poppins. I don't believe this, by the way. This is pure banter. Emma Watson. Really? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't believe in the words coming out of my mouth right now. I just want you to be... Okay, Where has this come from? Because <laughs> I know you fucking hate her. <laughs> oh, I mean, okay, I don't hate her. I don't oh, hate trained. her. I'm not a fan. <laughs> um, I'm going to leave it diplomatically at that. Um, she was never, ever in contention to be on this list. Let's just say that. No, um, no, I'm with you on that. I agree. I agree with AJ. I love Mary Poppins. I think it's a classic movie, classic character. It is never going to age. Um, no. I was like dismayed along with probably a lot of people when they did make a second one because I was just like, why do we need a second Mary Poppins? This film is not going anywhere. Like, um, But I think when I came down to it, thinking about Julie Andrews, I think she gives a better performance in The Sound of Music. Um, it just, this was my number seven, sorry. Um, it just required a bit more depth of character for me, um, playing the, you know, like <sighs> playing in a time of almost war, pre-war, um, coming into yeah, a situation where she is under, like, uh, doesn't have the upper hand. She's trying to find her way in the world. She's come from a convent, for God's sake. Um, and I think Mary Poppins, she comes across just kind of playing super nanny the whole time, which I love. She does it really well. And like as a child and as an adult, I will always have nostalgia for the Mary Poppins and like love for that character. Um, but I think I think Maria required a bit more of, of Julie Andrews. That's the only reason why I put um, Sound of Music on my list instead of Mary Poppins. She swayed me, you know. I think it was sentimental value. Honestly, sentimental value is what won. But sorry. Fair enough. Yeah. I just, let, I just need to let you know that where Nick tried to wind you up with Emma Watson oh, no. as, yeah. as um, 
Mary Poppins, Gavin had your back straight away and says, Will Ferrell is Bert. <laughs> Francis Lalonde is fucking with me too. <laughs> Daniel Craig is Bert. Why? 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 Leave me alone. <laughs> Daniel Craig is Mr. Banks. Excuse me. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Craig, never again. Never again. Mm. Never. No, 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 no. Um, no. to answer Mixed Memorabilia's question, no, I'm actually gonna add that to my list of films I've not seen. <laughs> say say nothing, Jazz. Mm. Uh, say nothing. We'll get we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> listen, I, I actually agree with everything you've said about the sound of music. Now, when obviously when we get to the point of which has more memorable songs, it is so fucking hard to distinguish. Like, truly, expialidocious or uh, doe a deer a female deer. Which way do mm-hmm. you swing? I, I think they both taste great. You know, it's like Julie Andrews is an icon. I love her. I hail the ground she walks on. She's a goddess. Thank you for giving me these two movies and making my childhood a better place because of it. I say no more. Uh, right. What have we got there? Did you add, want to add anything to the sound of music, Jazz, or are you good there? No, no, I'm good. <laughs> cool. So that was... You're actually staying on, sorry, because although it was our number four, we then circled to you. Mm. For, that was your. That was lower down for you. It's now your yes. three. Yes, so my number three, uh, coming in at number three, is Florence Pugh in Midsommar. I have Um, so many questions to ask you about this. Carry on. Ooh, interesting. Okay, I think this film is brilliant. Um, I love the anything that's going to leave me feeling like I need to look over my shoulder. Um, Anything that, like, leaves me feeling or wondering how far a person can be pushed before they break, um, which I think is what Florence does in this film. I think it is an incredibly difficult character to pull off, and I found the whole thing entirely believable, which is wild because, like, at the end of the film, she sets people on fire, you know? Like, it, it's it's sort of thinking how far can the psyche really take everything that the world is throwing at them before uh yeah it breaks mm-hmm. um do we do we need to describe midsummer thriller have you guys talked about it before so do you know what it was mid midsummer has been one of those movies that i have wanted to see for the longest time the questions i have i i keep hearing very polar opposite opinions mm. not not the usual it's good it's bad some people call it a comedy some people call it a horror now i what i try to do is stay away from horror comedies because they usually end up in the realm of slapstick mm-hmm. what i is wouldn't this movie? yeah i wouldn't call it a comedy i think the people calling it a comedy are the people who look at the insane situation that the characters are in in this movie and think that it is funny or meant to be portrayed as funny but I think what it is trying to do is take a look at uh, different sort of subsections of culture and see how different uh, people can see things as being normal. Um, and I think the the sort of 
the thesis of the film is that really and truly when we get down to it, we are all made up of these basic things, these basic things that can either hurt us or like make us happy. Um, and when really pushed to it, we can all find understanding in that. Um, there are particular parts of Midsommar uh, that I think particularly would come across as comedy if you weren't buying into this film. Mm. Um, and it is something that you need to buy into. Um, there are there are some uh, interesting moments between uh, particularly the uh, the group of female characters and like specific men and the group of female characters and Florence Pugh uh, that I like play back in my mind and think, hmm, Yes, I found that incredibly moving. Someone else watching this with a different like context or background to me who isn't like there for the ride would laugh at this, yes. And it's happening literally in the comments section right now as you're talking. <laughs> so this is what I mean. There are such polarizing opinions about this film. Obviously, I'm going to go mm. and see it and make my own mind up about it. It's but... on Netflix, by the way, in case you didn't know. Is it actually? Yeah, I was just checked at that. Jazz, what do I watch tonight? Midsommar or The Feast? The Feast. Okay, I'll watch The Feast. Um, Riri Thomas says, Nico, saw your review of The Well and I agree completely. Saw it today and made me cry a lot. Amazing acting, my heart. Oh, God, that movie. Fuck me, that movie. If you have not seen The Whale, please go and watch that movie. Um... Ruby Thomas says, all I have to say is people are amazing. That's the part of the movie I disagreed with. People are assholes inherently. Not you guys, just the wider world. People annoy me, mostly, mostly. Um, Francis Lohan says, I'm not a fan of Midsommar, was expecting updated Wicker Man, but didn't have as much quirkiness except that final scene inside the Barn Temple. Um, Andy Hart says, I was torn between Lady Macbeth and Midsommar for Florence Pugh. That's fair. Um, She's fantastic as Lady Macbeth as well. Uh, yeah. Florence Pugh is a goddess in the making. I love her. She's yeah. absolutely also, amazing. Yeah, also love her in Little Women. She's just everything yes. she's doing so far. She's played different characters and just floored me. That Little Women remake caught me off guard so much because I actually really like the old one, which has got Winona Ryder and co in it. This new one I thought was sensational. Mm. It's there are. To, to, to have literally the same movie redone with two great casts and they're both great like yay we all win at life then um gavin man says really like florence Pugh in particular the limited series the little drummer girl wasn't really into the wonder i fell away from it the longer it went on great actress all the same she is she really fucking is yeah. um gavin man says gave the whale a thumbs down gavin my heart what are you doing to me bro Gav, um, cool. All right, Jazz. Andy so thank you. Like Midsummer, by the way. Huh? Andy believes you like Midsummer. Uh, Nico, I think you're like Midsummer. Lots of layers, lots to unpack. That sounds like a movie. my jam. I'll check that out. Um, so Jazz, that was your three, yes? That was yes. Cool. Yay. Mine. Uh, is it me? Yes. No. AJ. Who's 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 three? Both of us. Fuck it, we'll both go. Um, cool. Number three, let's bring Audrey Hepburn to the party. Because, come on, it's Audrey Hepburn. And, <sighs> you know, we've, we've been talking about, you know, we were talking about Julie Andrews just now, and which role do you pick? Audrey Hepburn has a plethora of great movies. We could have gone Roman Holiday. We could have gone Breakfast at Tiffany's. For me, there's only one. It's My Fair Lady. I freaking 
adore this movie so much. Yes, it's lengthy. Yes, it, it but and there are points where you do feel that length. It has got some pacing issues to it, but the performances are so timeless. The fact that the fact that Audrey can hold a screen with actors of the caliber of Rex Harrison and outshine them. Like, this isn't even a debate. She is such a scene-stealing, scene-grabbing, scene-eating bottle of light, lightning in a bottle of energy. I can't speak highly enough about her. I love... Listen, it's it's a universal story, isn't it? You start with nothing, you end up with something, you find out who you really are, you find out what's important to you. These are all themes that are universal and that we should all be aspiring to. Let's find out who we really are. Take away the layers of social etiquette. Take away the layers of money, 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 which is what everyone puts importance on now, and find the humanity in other people and find the humanity in ourselves, and actually try and enjoy life through the prism of humanity, not through the prism of capitalism, which is what the movie ultimately gets to in the end. It's but that... It's giving someone a chance, just giving someone a chance and seeing what they can do with it as well, I think is, you know, another underlying um, factor in it as well. Sorry, I didn't want to cut you in mid Yeah, um, it's there. But there is one thing I'm going to say. So, Gavin, you asked, um, where's Kira Knightley on my list? Uh, yeah, she didn't make it. But what I will say, and this is, I've, I've said this, as much as I'm not a big fan of Breakfast at Tiffany's, it's one of those films that didn't really hit me. Um, You're not alone. Audrey Hepburn is 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 the biggest form of magnetism I can ever explain on the screen. Um, there was something I will say it. Roman Holiday just yeah, it, it, it just mesmerized me to to a degree. And she nope. Um, as as Eliza did, little should I say in in um, My Fair Lady, she, there was just something charismatic, magnetic. It's and when I say attracting, I'm not saying she's not attractive, but it's it just you, you're just attracted to. You cannot lose focus when it comes to this person. It, it's there's something I I don't have the words exactly, you know. Um, I had a friend. Oh my God, I haven't spoken to her in a few years actually, Lucy. And I remember her always saying to me like, "Yeah, Audrey Hepburn." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I get." And the more I watch the films, I was like, "I get it now." I it that Audrey Hepburn is the definition of je ne sais quoi. I I don't have the words, but it's there. <laughs> it's it's just always scene stealing performances. I think this is my way. Audrey Hepburn is sadly also the definition of uh, toxic fandom because you know how people sometimes now hate people in the modern age just because they're either pretty or successful or good at what they do. Like people who say, "I hate Anne Hathaway," I'm like, "Why? <laughs> what has she ever done that so offended you to your core?" Like the hate I see online for Anne Hathaway is on another level and i'm like why because she's pretty talented and infinitely likable so she's just too perfect for you like leave Anne alone now will frail we can fucking talk about and hathaway <laughs> though and hathaway is wonderful and i you can trace this like the hatred that the equal to the love and reverence that she had the hatred that followed audrey hepburn around everywhere was nuts like you know you read articles about how she had to be careful not because she would be mobbed but because she would be pelted people were throwing shit at her coming out of her hotel why because you're pretty and famous i'm like what is wrong with people seriously like because she's really good at what she does and she happens to be attractive you're gonna pelt her with tomatoes come on 
you know this is like the core start of toxic fandom it's not mm, a good in some ways i'm very glad that we're now all online with our fandom and not pelting our uh <laughs> yeah. actors with uh things in real life anymore um i will say with audrey hepburn love my fair lady uh, as a show fantastic film as well um i think that yes no i know the stage show came first mm. um because they had the uh this was this was part of the reason why i couldn't have uh audrey hepburn uh in my fair lady um on my list but the uh battle between julie andrews and uh audrey hepburn for the lead in this role because uh, julie andrews had played the lead on stage on the west end and had been touted for the lead role in this film and uh eventually ended up losing out to audrey hepburn who then had her voice dubbed for the uh songs in the film um that that was a little bit of a area of uh contention uh but i'll agree audrey hepburn in uh other films uh is is phenomenal i agree je ne sais quoi there's just something about watching yeah. her on the screen that just keeps you I like it's that. star power she she's mm. got it that that special thing that everyone in hollywood looks for like you can have all the talent in the world that this is this is literally the debate aj and i uh, well not a debate because we agree with each other on this but it's the comment we put out constantly you have actors like thespians and you have stars sometimes you have both like they get both like audrey hepburn in her case she has both but the stars like arnold schwarzenegger is not a good actor but my God, is he a star? You know, <laughs> yeah, that? I'll agree with that. <laughs> He's such a star. Like, and Audrey Hepburn has that same je ne sais quoi. Or I should say Arnie has that same je ne sais quoi as Audrey, because, you know, let's give credit where it's due. Obviously, she has the acting chops that he lacks, but she she's the total package, man. Although I have to say, I did not know she had this. The songs were dubbed. I had no clue about that. that. Which makes mm, me lean with big what controversy. Andy said to our battle. We should have gone Roman Holiday. <laughs> 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 I, to be Welcome honest, to the Movie Mount Rushmore podcast. Oh, jazz uh, ruins our favorite movies. And, and um, <laughs> Nick just came out. We, we put My Fair Lady, and my whole thing was, I don't care as long as Audrey Hepburn's on the list. And yeah. that was the, the yep, bottom line. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, didn't, I didn't actually know about the dubbing either, so that, that's quite an eye opener. Yeah. Yeah. Happened all the time back then. <laughs> really bad it's really bad why don't give the roles to people who can do the stuff yeah mm. that was eloquent do the stuff why not? <laughs> <laughs> when they can do the stuff hey man do, do the thing the the, <laughs> the stuff just come on <laughs> like yeah. that wasn't most eloquent uh jazz we are over to you then you're oh, you're was asking is anyone he picked charade has anyone seen that or i've not no, seen it wasn't under consideration for me mm -hmm. gav um jazz we are over to to your doubly deuce my number two um awesome this is who's, who's uh, yes a, a co co uh lead actress again in emma thompson and kate winslet uh for sense and sensibility now i'm gonna emma say emma thompson Thompson's <laughs> not your number one. Holy shit! Not my number one. No, I know she was for ages. Like, um, you, you, you basically asked me to do this episode, and I started writing a list, and my list was number one: Emma Thompson, Sense and Sensibility, and it right. stayed that way for so long. Um, and we'll find out why it isn't that way in a second. But, 
Um, Sense and Sensibility, another Jane Austen. As I said earlier, I have never read a Jane Austen novel. Um, I was persuaded to see this film by my girlfriend, who is a Jane Austen fan. Uh, really, she's an English literature fan um, and is appalled by the fact that I've never read uh, Austen. Um, <laughs> but we we did watch this film. And I think the thing that really sells this version of Sense and Sensibility um, which is another one of the like, you know, everyone falls in love and then there are mistaken falling in loves and eventually they end up with people you didn't expect them to end up with in the first place. But <laughs> hello, Seti, this is my cat. Um, <laughs> she really likes shadows at the moment. So Behold please excuse. <laughs> um, Seti, Seti named after the Egyptian god, yes? Named after the Egyptian uh, pharaoh who is named after the Egyptian god, yes. Anyway, Sense and Sensibility. That's amazing. <laughs> Carry on. Um, <laughs> so I think I think the thing that really does it for me for this specific version of uh, Austen is that Emma Thompson um, really takes a different view from the novel that uh, I think would be the easy sort of direction to take with an Austen adaptation in that she finds the relationship between the sisters far more interesting than the sort of like waif-like uh, romantic novelization -y characters falling in love with the like big strong Englishman from the countryside types, you know? Um, so where that would be maybe the focus of other adaptations, um, Emma Thompson's uh, adaptation really dug into what it was to be sisters trying to marry well, which could really make a big difference to families at that time, but also not lose their sisterly relationship in the middle of all of that. Um, and I think that uh, she she originally, so she adapted this for screen um, and Ang Lee directed. She did not mm -hmm. want to be in Sense and Sensibility. She thought she was too old to play one of the sisters in this film. And to be fair, she kind of was technically too old, but she plays it very young. Um, and really matches Kate's, Kate Winslet's like energy uh, being part of the same family. She really, really believed that these two girls have like grown up together, know each other, and are able to sort of see where each of them are making poor decisions for themselves before the other one can realize it. It's just, it's really good to watch them play off each other. Um, and even if you don't like romantic movies or the like, watch it. You might get something out of it. I did. I see. I know. Yeah, listen, I I just can't relate when people say I don't like romantic movies. I'm like, why? Like, do you not love? Do you not aspire to love? Have you never been loved? It's all romance. And even if we're not talking the pure traditional unadulterated romance, like you know, po poetic romance, if you will. You know, I don't mean like. And I'm not talking about reciting fucking poesy here. I'm talking about you know. Jazz, you're better at this than me. Describe what I mean by poetic no, romance. I, I completely agree. I think romance in, in like a romantic sense, like the traditional romantic sense, is important. And it is something that our souls sort of need in a way. I think romantic films that are cheesy and play characters as two-dimensional and play out as a plot of a film 
that wouldn't ever sort of happen in real life. That is the sort of thing I'm tired of. I need to be able to believe a character. I need to be able to believe like when they're feeling loss or when they are actually falling in love. Um, And as long as I can do that, fine, sign me up for a romance. It's just that I don't ever see a romance film coming out of Hollywood and think, oh, yeah, that's going to do what I want with a romance. I'll see it. I have to be, like, persuaded into it. Have you seen Babylon? I have not. Damien Chazelle's new movie. Highly recommended. Very untraditional romance. Very untraditional. Excellent. Um, Andy Hart says, do you guys know who directed this movie? One of your favorites. Fuck off, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Ang Lee has hurt us too many times. Oh God! Oh, oh God. <laughs> ouch! Ang Lee has. It's hurt all right. Us Emma, 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 Emma had the reins in this. Right. It's fine. Usually, you yeah. AJC's directed by Ang Lee, and next movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. He did the Hulk, he did the Hulk, and he did Gemini, man. He's done some bad stuff. Yeah. Mm. He's hurt me along the way. But he also done, um, what is it? Man, man, woman, eat, drink. I can't remember the order of it, but that was a good film that I was shocked was angry. So he can deliver, but it's more missed than hit. So, yeah. That's the story I hear I that. So our number two. Oh, I'm looking forward to this one. I was batting for this to be number one, and AJ vetoed me because basically our number one, we both had... So a rule, Jazz, if is that when we both had a movie, it usually makes the rush more. And in this case, because we haven't talked about the rush more yet because it's a three-way discussion this week, we both had a movie on, and it was like, well, that's number one then, isn't it? By, by process of elimination, we both had this movie on our list and only this one, so number one it goes. I fought so hard for this to be number one, and AJ told me to go and stick it where the sun don't shine. But oh my giddy aunt, do I love this movie. And do you remember earlier when I was when we were talking about Winslet and DiCaprio? And I was like, yes, he's a powerhouse, but it takes a powerhouse to hold a screen time with him. Yeah. So let's talk about the all-time powerhouse, Marlon Brando, and the woman who held screen time with him and gave some, him something to play off, because without her, he doesn't have the fucking performance of a lifetime. Vivian Lee in a streetcar named Desire. Oh my giddy fucking aunt, this performance. Oh. Now, AJ, back when we talked about movies, about, what is it, movies about mental health difficulties, I think we phrased it, something That's like that. Like something along those lines. Really good episode. There's all sorts of shit going on with Vivian Lee and this, with Vivian Lee's character in this movie. But what is so wonderful because this is so old school, because you just wouldn't get this in Hollywood, because they'd want to take a fucking sledgehammer and hit you over the head and go, feel, 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 this is what we're trying to tell you. Get the meaning, because it's really soft. It's really complicated, and we don't trust you as an audience to be able to understand what we're telling you, because you're all dumb. Mostly true, but this, the movie should still give us an iota of confidence to be able to understand what's being said. That's why French neorealism works so well. But Back in the old days, movies trusted their audiences and it's exemplified perfectly in A Streetcar Named Desire because they're not telling you in some unnecessary fucking exposition. This character suffers from X, Y, Z and you're going to see it on display now. No, no, go. Girl down on her luck, Blanche Dubois. Hmm? Girl Blanche down Dubois. on her Blanche Dubois. Sorry, I'm not going mad, am I? I just had nope. a bit of a gone with the wind moment. <laughs> like, no, that's Scarlet. Um, yeah, Blanche Dubois goes to her sister, who's dating a very, very, 
very strong-willed Polak, played by Marlon Brando, called Kowalski. And my God, when you want to talk about unstoppable force and immovable object, Vivian Lee in this case being the immovable object, oh my God, the collision, the, the emotional, human, real collision that these two have of her trying to keep a facade up of being something that she's not and him seeing right through her and calling her out on it but not taking into account what calling her out on it will do to her actual psyche oh oh I'm, my god i'm gonna be honest i'm really gutted that i didn't get a chance to finish this film i have started it and i just time has not been on my side to finish it um vivian lee for me was going to be gone with the wind that's that's where i thought she was absolutely stellar but um i i saw the passion you had for this film and that's why i didn't back for it have you actually seen gone with the wind that by any chance still what the five hours of it no i'm afraid still not. <laughs> fair enough and that's why i didn't even that's another reason when we started to collate our our, our films and you were like vivian lee i was like yeah, I can't ask you to watch this before the pod. So <laughs> I'll just accept Streetcar Named Desire, uh, and we'll try. That I, I was hoping to have watched it to agree with you, but um, yeah. That, Daddy Goo cool. has a baby girl who does not permit him time for five-hour movies. Anymore. <laughs> right, right. Lord so of the Rings is now when she's gone to Granny's for a few days at Christmas, and it's like, oh, let's watch the Fellowship of the Ring quick. I hear you, bro. I hear you. Um, yeah. Oh, this yeah. Movie no, sorry, is an all -timer. This movie is such mm. a fucking all-timer. It's it's so underappreciated as a film, too. Like, it's one of those... I, I kind of feel like it's almost, for some reason, fallen by the wayside because you just don't see people talking about this film anymore. And it's... If you like movies, I cannot stress this enough. It is such a must-see. Jazz. Yes. Streetcar Named Desire, my God. Um, I think it is what she has done here and what Brando has also done in this film as well, but what she has done is created a uh, sort of quintessential portrayal of the character, which is something that doesn't happen often, especially with Tennessee Williams. Like the number of times uh, Tennessee Williams gets thrown onto a stage somewhere and all you see is a rehashing of some aspect of Vivian Lee's Blanche Dubois. Um, it, it's yeah it's a phenomenal performance it's wonderful i think she very much does lead the movie despite like brando's like energy that he brings to it she's she's absolutely uh the lead sort of uh, moving the everything forward um what i will say which is it's very interesting timing there is a production on uh that is moving to the west end of a streetcar named desire uh, currently that has someone famous in it whose name I always forget um <laughs> but um they what they've done is something very interesting in that they've taken uh what Tennessee Williams had originally intended for the characters of Blanche and Stella and really played out again it's another like sisterly relationship they're really not as interested in the relationship between um, Blanche and um... Kowalski. Oh my God, Kowalski! Thank you. Um, they're they're more interested in the sisterly relationship and also making you feel like the relationship between Stella and Kowalski is real 
whereas I think a lot of the time you can look at that sort of relationship and think, oh, well, that's that's toxic. She needs to get out of there or like there's something going wrong there. What they've done is they've been like, no, this is this is a real life sort of situation that people can get into. And yes, she oh, yeah. can be happy. And they're really trying to focus on that versus also the sisters loving each other, but one sister really not approving of what's going on there. Um, and it's one of the first times I've seen this and not thought, oh, that's just Vivian Lee again. And that's just Marlon Brando, um, mm. which, yeah, if you've got the time or are able to get to London <laughs> the next few months, it's worth a, worth a watch. I actually cool. may go and check that out because it would be quite fresh to see those characters portrayed without my mind being gone. Yeah, but you're not Marlon Brando and yeah, you're not mm. Vivian. Those performances. Do you know what I love? Do you know what I freaking love about these kind of written as plays that become movies? Jazz, did you see a, a film last year called The Outfit? No. Mark Ryland. So it also was written as a play, but produced as a movie. I think it is such an astonishing work of art when you can kind of, as a fan, pull the curtain back and see, okay, you clearly were designed as a play, but yet here we are with you as a movie, and yet you're working. You're all set in one location. I'm not seeing the stage constantly changing to reflect how the how the area is changing. Um, it's it, it's a feat of brilliance when it when it works in a streetcar named Desire. Like, poor, two thumbs way up from me. Right. Jazz, it is time. Oh, before we bring, uh, just before we bring it back over to you, um, guys, if you could all please, if you haven't done so already, I've seen we've got a few comments started, but if you haven't done so already, Andy, Gavin, Billy Mount, Francis, Mixed Memorabilia, Den the Tech, every, sorry if I'm missing names, Republic Productions, RJ Skarenki, everyone who's here tonight, please could you guys drop either your top tens or your Rushmores? down into the comment section and while you're down there guys please do remember to give the video a like if you haven't done so already it helps youtube like us and it makes us smile um right nope. jazz just gonna just... touch on it too much just because we was on your number two jazz with um emma thompson have mm -hmm. you seen this little gem that came out Good no i wanted oh, to yes. i wrote it down as a i must see this before i've like uh, before I join you guys on the podcast, but I didn't manage to get to it. And in the end, I was just like, well, Emma Thompson's on my list twice already. I really shouldn't. Um, <laughs> cool. I, it's on there. I want to see it. This, this was right. the punt. This was the yeah, that, that, that Essentially, that was the punt. Gotcha. Um, it's a film yeah. I saw in the cinema and it blew me away. I'm not going to, I've touched it quite a few times. It would have been oh, yeah. much higher. It, like, Had it been an individual Rushmore, just for the fact that it's come out twice in two Rushmore's for me recently, it would have been around the five region, possibly number four. It's a really great story of a, a teacher, an ex-teacher who's lost her husband and is hires this, this escort for, to, to, to reconnect and feel romance, feel love again. But she's just not comfortable with the approach of having an escort. And it's this budding relationship, but friendship that builds between the two of them. I just found it magical. I thought it was great. So that was awesome. that was the one from earlier. I just wanted to touch on that very quickly. I know the screeners have heard me go deep into this film. And Jazz, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's on Amazon Prime now, if you are looking to catch it somewhere. Sick. I will be yeah. watching it. Cool. Yeah. We're, we're not going to spend long on this one, Jazz, just because AJ brings this movie up a lot. <laughs> oh, it's the third time. Leave me alone. <laughs> Fair enough. In three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, Every jazz. Gotta love it. So jazz, let's let's go with uh, the one I said snap earlier. Let's go with your worst. Mm. Mm-hmm. So um I don't like picking a worst. I think I said this last time as well. But there was one film that I did watch for this particular episode that I couldn't finish. I just couldn't get through it. Um, I gave it as much chance as I think it deserved. Uh, <laughs> and it's uh, Julie Walters, I believe, and Educating Rita, which might be controversial. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> because I understand it is a very highly... Uh, well, it's a well-loved film. It's a highly rated film as far as I could tell. And it was recommended to me by my father. Um, I was like, Dad, do you know any like older British films that I haven't, you know, listed uh, off to? And and he brought out Educating Rita and was like, oh, you should really watch this. It was the first time she'd really done any acting. It's a really good film. And I just couldn't get through it. It is so hammy and so poorly adapted from the stage version and I just didn't like the acting in it either it, it was too sort of of that period for me to actually get into and enjoy but I can understand why some people would love it as well equally it's just not for me <laughs> sometimes I do I can agree with what you're saying there I think sometimes if you've seen a film in its time it works magical and you can kind of connect with it kind of like you Nick with Matilda you know mm. it it was just the wrong time. Um, I can't remember one film I saw. I think Airplane was another one for me or for both of us where just watch it and it's like, this doesn't work now. I may have laughed before, but it's just not working now. So um, yeah, I get I get that. I get that. It, sometimes a product of its time is, yeah, its own downfall. Yeah. But yeah. While you're on screen, AJ, go with your worst. So my worst... It just kept sticking out to me. Um, I was a casual fan of the TV series, and I've found that the BBC can make really good TV series. When they make them into films, they don't go too well, be it Dad's Army, be it David Brent, or be it absolutely fabulous. It just didn't work. Like, I love both um, Jennifer French and um, jo Joanna Lumley. I think they're, they're, they're great. They, anytime you catch them in something, it's always a great laugh. This film, I just, I remember like, again, it was one of those lockdown movies. My girlfriend and I were like, oh yeah, I'm fab, like, let's give it a shot. And I kind of remember the story, but it was weak. It was terrible. I just didn't laugh. Something about them being framed for the murder of Kate Moss, but it's something to do with paparazzis. Then they moved to France or something. And I just remember just sitting there. And that's the worst thing that you, when you sit down for a laugh and you're just sitting there, it, it's horrendous. I'm sure there might be a lot worse out there, but I just recall having that moment of, mm, okay, well, that was it then. All right, fair enough. And yeah, it just didn't work for me. Okay. My worst is, I don't think a lot of people are going to disagree with this. Um, hindsight being a wonderful thing, but I've got to go with Daisy Ridley in The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, screw you. Nah, sorry, mate. Um, you said Rise of Skywalker is not my, my ultimate. It's if not, you it's done not a good movie. It's not a good movie. It's just it's not. Like, she is... Listen, we are talking about worst movie. The, the, the title is not the worst performance. 
that, the that's top why, ten. Yeah, 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 yeah. She yeah. is not the problem with this movie. I am not. I am going to go on record now and say this is not a, like Daisy Ridley ruined Star Wars. Like bullshit. Um, nothing to do with it. It's not not nothing to do with any of the actors. Uh, AJ, I'll say this. I do think Daisy Ridley is an inferior actor to Felicity Jones. Um, even though she had more to work with. And there were times, which Felicity never did to me in Rogue One, there were times where I thought Daisy Ridley was a bit heavy-handed and ham-fisted with some of her, you know, Luke Skywalker. It's like, tone it down, girl. Tone it down. You're not Al Pacino, yeah? You don't need to go crazy. Like, tone it down a little bit. Um, where does the buck stop with where who's a good actor who's not a good actor versus how are they being directed like look at look at um dave batista by his admission he's not a good actor james gunn got a great performance out of him in guardians of the galaxy that's the mark of a really good director working with someone who by their own admission is not hyper talented at what they do but that director knows how to work with their wheelhouse so where where does that buck stop that's a whole debate we could have Rise of Skywalker is is kind of like a perfect storm of errors because you've got <laughs> clearly no long-term plan from Disney of how to get from seven to nine. Equally, and I know fans won't want to hear this, but I don't give a fuck. It's my podcast. I'll say what I want. Um, equally, toxic fandom being so loud that it actually forced Disney's hand to do something which they weren't planning on doing. Like, JJ coming back was not on the cards. The fandom was so fucking loud. Yeah, the fandom wasn't loud. You're talking shit. Really? Really? It wasn't loud. So why did Solo fail? That's interesting. A completely different movie that had nothing to do with the... <laughs> what's, the what's a good word for this? How would we describe episode eight? Um, dividing episode eight. I personally liked it. I know a lot of people who didn't like it, right? Although I can see faults with episode eight. Um, there are problems with that movie, but I don't argue no movie is perfect, but you can't say that to a toxic Star Wars fan because they go crazy. Star Wars is perfect, fuck you! Um, you sure Disney didn't have a long-term plan and the fandom was so fucking loud and toxic because they had ownership of a property which they don't own but they had ownership of the property that had actually forced Disney's hand to be even worse than the actual plan that they had. So it was a comedy of errors all rolled into one. It's like, oh, what do we do? Bring Han Solo back for a scene. Um, bring the Emperor back. Um, fuck, what do we do? Um, bring, bring, bring uh, Lando Calrissian back. Give, give them fan service. But what about the story? Don't worry about that. Make the fans happy. It was a comedy of errors. And the result was, unfortunately, a bit of a mess. And but it did keep one thing. <laughs> I'm gonna piss people off here again. It did keep one thing in track. It meant that every single third movie in their respective trilogy was the worst of their respective trilogy. Because Revenge of the Sith is wank. Reve Return, of <laughs> Re Re Return of the Jedi, while not wank, is the weakest of those three movies, in my humble opinion. And Rise of Skywalker, not good. So Star Wars is kind of like the perfect three trilogies where each movie, the third movie is the worst in its respective trilogy. Ah, come at me, don't okay, care. Sorry, I must admit, I, I was, I, I just instantly saw you say Daisy Ridley, I saw Ray. I thought Force Awakens, I was like, how dare you? 
I, I Rise of Skywalker, I can go with. A um, couple of bits here that I just want to go through. Um, Billy Mount has said, what about the Nan movie? I love Catherine Tate. I have not seen the Nan movie, Billy, so I can't comment on that one. Francis has actually hurt me. I, I think this was going to hit you more, Nick. What about Barbara Windsor in a carry-on film? Not a mention. Shocked there wasn't one for you. Oh. I, feel like well. I feel like a top-class idiot. <laughs> yeah. That one, Jazz. Are you a fan of the Carry On movies, or are they too I age for you? Actively avoid them. <laughs> they're quite smart. They're quite witty. I watched one. All recently. right, all right. There's, there's a certain wit to it. It's very risque of its time. I do like it. Um, Gavin says, "Worse than the Scottish Mermaid film." I don't know what film that is. Oh, I, I know that fucking film, The Last Mermaid. That was a steaming pile of shit. Um, right. That was awful. And Billy's asking a question to the both of you, which I know I can't answer, so I'm thankful he didn't mention my name in it as well. Jazz and Nico, Ava, and the 355 or the 355 with Jessica Chastain are my worst. Can you agree with that? I can't because I haven't seen. I have not yet seen. Should I not see that? I love Jessica Chastain, usually. Me too. Me too. Love. So, I, I mean, that was on my, it's on my list of things that I should watch, but maybe, maybe I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of like, oh, do we? Do we not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, look, I've, I've opened up the can of worms here. I love Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, <laughs> possibly my favorites with Empire Strikes Back. Agreed. Happy to admit that my uh, petty side gets a kick out of winding up toxic super mega fans with his snuts. Fuck yes, Gavin. And you keep doing that. Because do you know what needs to die in 2023? Toxic mega fandom. Why can we all not just love the things we love? without calling for people to lose their jobs. Like, what is wrong with the world? Fuck Kathleen Kennedy. Fuck JJ. Fuck George Lucas. Like, people. I think Revenge of the Sith is a pile of wank. I wasn't calling for George Lucas to lose his job. Jesus. Like, yeesh. Hate, but dial it down. Like, like, soft hate. Yeah. Soft hate is fine. And I think, I'm with I think everyone... Yes. Yes, I love the Phantom Menace. I actually, I do love that movie. It's a oh, good it's movie. So bad. It's I so like bad. it. It's such so much better oh. than Revenge of the Sith. I tried watching it um, first year of lockdown. We tried. We we said we were going to watch all of the uh, prequel fil films, and we started with the Phantom Menace. And I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. It's so bad. I love it. <laughs> I fucking love it. And you see, look at me. Jazz and me disagreeing, and we're not going for the jugular. Yeah. Right, I'm going to go for one question before we move on from Star Wars. Nick, directed at you. Nico, what did you think of Hayden in the Obi-Wan series? He wasn't in it. I wasn't fucking in it. I love it. Was the for me that was the biggest bit of trolling that we ever did to people. I thought that was fucking hysterical. Like you get him out on stage at D twenty three to do the whole, and he does the whole. This is where the fun begins. Speech. Like, oh my god, it's Obi Wan and Anakin. It's Hayden and fucking you and back on stage together, and he's in it for one scene. Oh yeah, but he was in the suit. I get the fuck out of my face with that bullshit. Hayden Christensen may as well have not been in this series. It, I was laughing my ass off when I was like, so he's in it for one scene, and it's a flashback to when he was actually Anakin. It's a, oh, but when they cut the mask off, you saw his eye. Wow. <laughs> so this is hysterical. 
They all have been trolled. I was very happy that he wasn't in it, though. And I was very happy that Disney learned their lesson of, yeah, this kid's not good. Keep him behind the mask. Just don't speak. Do the James L. Jones voice. Oh, he is bad. I'm sorry. I don't think I'm he's sorry. bad. I don't think oh. he's the problem. I don't think that Hayden is the problem with the films. Anyway, this oh, the, no. we're not talking no. about Star Wars. Yeah, the exactly. fucking, the writing is the problem with the films. The writing yeah. is the problem. With the, yeah, listen, you can't fucking polish a turd. I'm sorry, but look, the writing <laughs> is the problem with those films. He didn't help. <laughs> like, I know why Leonardo DiCaprio didn't take that role all those years ago, because the scripts are bad. But like... Aiden is not good. <laughs> right. Okay. Have you seen him in Jumper? Yes. <laughs> right, over to Jazz. Let, let's get Jazz's number one. Let's, let's... Yes, my number one. Okay, uh, my number one will be no surprise to these guys uh, anymore is Tilda Swinton. Oh, um, that's also our number one. Heck we've yeah. Also got, we've deserves also got to be there. Brilliant. Um, I think we may have different films because i think i know who you will have picked based on directors i know you like um but my pick was orlando um 1992 film this film blew my little socks off i loved it <laughs> um and when i say i only watched this like a week ago and it just shot to number one i could not put anything else there nice. um it, it just, I mean, okay, so Orlando. Um, I was convinced to watch this by my girlfriend who has been trying to get me to read the Virginia Woolf novel, Story of My Life. My girlfriend tries to get me to read, I watch the film. Um, <laughs> I like that, I like that. <laughs> um, but she she um, convinced me at least to watch the film before um, I recorded with you guys. It's a Virginia Woolf novel. Um, it's, a, I think, a modernist novel where uh, the character Orlando is followed um, from the moment where he is given favour from uh, the Queen Elizabeth I and uh, is sort of told never to die or never to wither um, and from that moment on doesn't. And we follow the story with, like, snippets and... Uh, mostly sort of uh, scenes um, with very little dialogue all the way through to modern times. And we just get little snatches from here and there. And gradually, as we're following the character of Orlando, who starts out uh, a man in Elizabethan England, uh, ends up this like high power woman living in modern London. Um, and oh, it is just a devastating performance from Tilda Swinton. Um, I mean, you, I, I think you could probably put Tilda in anything and she would rock it. But this just is, it's its crazy. Um, I think she, she has this sort of way about portraying this character as, as and the like subtle transformation that really catches you off guard um, as you watch it through. And... Uh, and to the point where uh, where the character does sort of do a reveal by looking in a mirror and figuring out that they're a woman, it it it's sort of you're not surprised by it by the time she gets there, even though she has played a very convincing man up until that point. Um, and yeah, I think it's a really interesting discussion of gender, um, <laughs> which I think we get 
very little of like intelligent conversation through film, um, especially these days. There's a great interview that I saw with uh, Tilda um, where they were talking about there was a re-release of Orlando um, uh, relatively recently. Um, so it was released originally in 1992 when they did a re-release in the 2000s. And uh, she was asked if modern audiences, so more current audiences, will be a little bit more sort of sensitive to the subject matter. And Tilda was like, no, we've gone backwards. There was some really cool shit that was happening in the 90s with like art house films that you just couldn't do these days because there's yeah. so much red tape and so much like policing of stuff that will be seen as popular and able to be sold and um yeah it's it's just not something that you could get away with um nope. but it's the double it's, a movie has gone the double a mm. movie doesn't exist anymore it's triple a or indie nothing in between yeah yeah i think there is a lot of truth to that um but yeah this this film i mean uh directed by sally potter um and i think there's a lot of weight uh i, I think i need to give a lot of weight to female uh sorry british women directing films as well uh about ostensibly uh, British women and adapted from British women because it just brings like context to it that I just don't think you could get um, if you didn't have that representation there um, in the creative team. And I don't think, um, I want to preface that by saying, I don't think that like just having the representation of women is necessarily enough, but I do think we need to be mindful of who is representing what subject matter and who is it being produced for? Because um, I don't think we can simply produce things for women in general um but it's it's uh, demeaning i mean you can tell me this is a woman but is it not demeaning it would absolutely of course to not have um all of the sort of like cross sections of society taken into account and just be like it's it's the problem that i have with as i was saying before romance films uh where you have the like woman who is put there who is pretty and smart and everything a woman's meant to be um or you know the 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 sort of what are they called manic pixie dream girls who are everything a woman is meant to be if you want a quirky woman you know it's it's uh, really gets my goat but um these these sorts of films very important um to still be producing and still be raising these sorts of questions um with the sort of cinematography and the acting and the production like this uh this film is just gorgeous if you are into um uh, uh like sweeping landscapes but also like period costume and haunting music it's just it ticks off everything i loved it I wish I could add jazz, but you've summed that Likewise. up wonderfully. <laughs> awesome movie, like one that's really on the must-see soon ASAP list. So thank you for yes. that. Thank yeah, you I'm adding that to the list. Yeah. We need to do uh, a top ten Tilda Swinton movies, AJ. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, need to do that. Um, just as you said, you believe you know what our joint number one was. Can would you like to hazard a guess? Yes, I'm going to put forward my vote tentatively because, I mean, it was on my list as well for a while with we need to talk about Kevin. Yes, hold in one. <laughs> Excellent. Kudos to Andy, who also said, what do we think they're calling AJ? Please <laughs> talk about Kevin. AJ, you've seen it finally now. I want you to, I want to hear what you thought about this because I've oh, been, okay, Jazz, I've been telling him to watch this movie for the longest fucking time. So I'm so happy. I love the way Nick makes it sound like I tried to just casually dismiss it. 
every week. No, 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 bro. Listen, I got, bro, I got your back. I got your back. I know it's not because you don't take my word and you're like, nah, fuck that movie. I know right. it's because you got movies to watch. But exactly. I'm always each happy week. when you see it. Yeah. Each week is a different topic. A different topic pushes these films down the list, sadly. Um, when this came up, and it's something that has been on the list for a while, again, I think in the same episode that A Streetcar Named Desire came up, we need to talk about Kevin came up. I believe it was to do with mental disorder. Mental health, yeah. But it's, it's, it's been there for a while. And this came up and you, you mentioned it to me, like, well, Matilda, this is the film, like, this is your chance to see it. And I was like, yeah, you're right. A bit of Asian vision took place and I was able yes. to watch this film. And my gosh, uh -huh. the, <sighs> the anguish. I, one of the things that you said to me was that how happy you were that I finally seen this film. And, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Tilda because it's such a performance. Now, say what you wish about older Kevin. The younger Kevin, that kid who just Superb. was... Superb. Oh, the acting in that. And again, going back to what you say on the, the, the Vivian Lee and Brando and the Kate Winslet and DiCaprio, you need to bounce off of something. And this kid was given the powerhouse that is Tilda Swinton to work with. And that troubled relationship that was there, the, this free spirit who's now locked down and is frustrated with this child. The, the, oh, the journey that came into this film, I was just, oh my God, I, I, in a way to say lost for words, it was just touching, heartbreaking. And, you know, one of the things, another one, and I'm not, again, I don't want to take away from Tilda Swinton. Fucking I, I, disturbing. The, the disturbing, yeah, how disturbing it is. John C. Riley is another actor who I believe... He's brilliant, is, mate. He's so when he's good. not messing around with Will Ferrell, he's fantastic. Exactly. When he's not doing dumb shit with Ferrell, you know, like Step Brothers, and I'm like, you just think, I don't want to watch that. Then you catch him in another thing, and you're like, ah, oh, ah, oh, beauty, absolute beauty. This is gold. And it's just that, that the family dynamic in each way, each relationship that's built there, you know, him wanting to, to believe in Kevin and... And, and Tilda's character, the mum, who's just like, he's done this. Our, our daughter has got a glass eye. I, I, I can't prove it, but I know it's him. It's all these different elements and how disturbed this child is. And when you hear he's he's inside, well, you see the visuals of him being inside, locked up, and you're thinking, what did he do? And the more that unravels and the heartbreak, and now you realise how this high-powered lady who had, you know, uh, the 2.4 children family, the, everything that you can picture, the house, the, the lot, and why she's in the house that she's in now, living the life that she does, it, oh, it spun me, it hurt me, I was oh, yeah. disturbed. It, oh, what a film, what a film. Oh, yeah. And I've gone double jeopardy on this one, because, Jazz, when we, uh, back in November, I believe it was, Gavin, correct me if I'm wrong, we did the top 10 Scottish movies, and I brought a director called Lynn Ramsey to the party there twice because she's directed two films which I adore. One called Morvin Kala and one called Ratcatcher. And she also directed this. And I'll say now, and I will keep saying it because I want everyone to watch Lynn Ramsey's work and support Lynn Ramsey's movies and get the word out that you will put money behind Lynn Ramsey if she makes a movie because, Jazz, I will say it now, she is that oh-so-very-unfashionable-and-rare oddity that we get in the UK, a true artist. 
She is not something made by the Hollywood machine. She's not something that's been prefabricated over years and years and years of polishing a pebble and figuring out what people reciprocate well. This is a woman who does not give a fuck. She talks, she deals with subject matter which most people wouldn't want to even confront in a newspaper, let alone in what most people consider a, a medium of, of entertainment above everything else. She normally, the type of topics that she talks about are considered taboo, and taboo is usually restricted to the realm of elevated horror. Not so with Lynn Ramsey. She takes topics like in Ratcatcher, like in More Than Color, like in We Need to Talk About Kevin puts them in front of a mainstream audience in a completely undigestible way and yet somehow makes them digestible and you leave feeling like you need to take a shower after a Lynn Ramsey, Ramsey movie because her movies are disturbing and I adore her for that. She should be heralded as one of the best... Fuck gender here. She should be heralded as one of the most sought-after directors in the world at the moment. She is amazing. And Tilda Swinton with a fucking performance of a lifetime. Like, she, 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 Hilda, Hilda, Tilda literally embraces her inner Audrey Hepburn in this. It's like, hmm, Audrey could do it, so can I. I'm going to eat up the scenery in every scene I'm in. And my God, doesn't she? It, this is, you were talking at the top of the show, Jazz, about movies that stay with you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah no definitely i agree with everything um about uh we need to talk about kevin it it was on my list as my tilda swinton pick before i watched orlando um and and i just swapped them because i thought other women probably deserved a bit of uh limelight as well but i mean if i could create a list of just 10 tilda swinton movies i would she's magic no, yeah. she she's is. just there's something otherworldly that she brings to every movie uh, that she's in. Um, the, there's a movie that is not very good, uh, I will stress, um, called Only Love is Left Alive, mm -hmm. um, where Tilda plays Eve, um, a vampire, and I think against Tom Hiddleston's Adam. Bad movie. Tilda Swinton, fantastic. I would watch that movie just for her. Like, she can just, she can elevate and bring something to a pile of nothing i love that oh, absolutely love that right we need to rush more this stuff now guys yeah just i i see a few comments here from gavin and andy talking about uh top 10 movies that are oh, directed by british women okay because i was gonna say we've done top 10 female directors but british women is yeah look out for it guys can't promise when but yeah that's 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 one to Adding it to our long list of topics. Yeah, indeed. So uh, what are the comment sections saying for people's individual top tens and Rushmore's? Right. Okay. Uh, here we go. Oh, I was on it and I've just moved away from it. Sorry, I got it. RJ oh, Skarenki says, Edge of Tomorrow, Atomic Blonde, The Menu. Pretty much any 007 movie. Francis Lalonde has said Elsa Lanchester in Bride of Frankenstein, Barbara Steele in Black Sunday, Diane Rigg on a nice pull on Her Majesty's Secret Service, Julie Christie, again, nice pull, Julie Christie and Don't Look Now, and honorable mention Judy Andrews for The Sound of Music. Um, 
<laughs> Sorry, that was one week. We don't need to start that one. <laughs> uh, Pedro Santos says, uh, my four picks uh, would be I've Loved You So Long with Kristen Scott Thomas, The Night Porter with Charlotte Rampling, We Need to Talk About Kevin with Tilda Swinton, and Vera, uh, and Vera Drake with Imelda Staunton. Uh, Francis Lalonde says, Silver Screen Dudes, my Rushmore honorable mentions, Judy Andrews, The Sound of Music, Angela Lansbury, The Manchurian Candidate, uh, my Rushmore, part one of two. Uh, so we've just done that one. And part two. Yeah, we've covered that. Andy Hart says, my top 10, Brief Encounter, The Red Shoes, The English Patient, A Quiet Place, Roman Holiday, Suddenly, Last Summer, Orlando, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Rogue One, and Lady Macbeth. Gavin Mann says, After Love, X, Promising Young Women, Saving Mr. Banks, We Need to Talk About Kevin, This Is England, Mulholland Drive, A Quiet Place, Charade, Oh, Number One, The Force Awakens. Um, and Ruby Thomas says, Florence Pugh, Vivian Lee, Felicity Jones, Emma Thompson. That reads very nicely, doesn't it? <laughs> right. Debate time. How do we do this, guys? Are we doing it by actor, actor, female actor slash actress? Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, I don't think we can have Tilda on twice, for instance. No. This is it, yeah. And just bear in mind, so... The point of the show is obviously to do what we've been doing, which is educate and entertain and edutain. When the vote ultimately goes out to the wider Twitter sphere, I've tried doing the whole edutain them via a poll before. It doesn't work. The, 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 the safe thing here, that's not to say people are dumb. It's just to say a lot of the time, some of the obscure movies we pick, people won't have seen. So by proxy from not seeing it, it doesn't get voted on. Um, it is always safer just for the sake of getting more poll numbers to have a more balanced view of what people's watching habits are. You got to pick the more popular movie. That is fair enough. I am confident that I have swayed some people to watch some underrated movies tonight. Hell yeah. I believe you have. You've definitely <laughs> done it for me. Okay, I can guarantee that. Thank you, Gavin. Tilda, so Tilda needs to be on there. Absolutely. Are we all happy to go with we need to talk about Kevin on the basis that it would likely be more popular than Orlando? Are we cool yes. with that? Yeah. Okay. So we need to also have a classic actress in there. I think we have to put Julie Andrews in there. We'd be crazy to not have a poll on British females and not have Julie Andrews in there. We all agree on this? Yes. I think so. It's either that or Vivian Lee for me. I mean, my Dude, Audrey Hepburn is still like tickling. Ah, oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could put all three. Hmm. But, but, and I'm not saying no. There's always a but. Jazz, your favorite actress. Oh, is... not having Emma Thompson on there. Shit. <sighs> we need to have Emma Thompson on there. I'm sorry. We do need to have Emma Thompson. Right, I will simply we? log off if we're gone. If we're not. <laughs> Fuck yeah. you, I'm never coming back. Not <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, okay, so of the three powerhouses of, not to say Emma Thompson's not a powerhouse, but we're talking about people we're going to get rid of here. So between Julie Andrews, Audrey Hepburn, and Vivian Lee, who would make way for Emma Thompson? Or does Tilda make way for Emma Thompson? No, no. Let's not call it. Let's not be silly here. Um, Triple number one. Who makes way for Emma Thompson? Oh, I, I feel very... Oh, I feel risque in saying maybe Vivian needs to take the cut. 
I'm kind of with you on that. I was leaning towards that as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Are we actually doing <laughs> AJ, just while I'm making notes on this, uh, have you got the four? The potential um, four? Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. Have a quick look through the list. Is there anything else that you would maybe want to bat for? And Jazz, just to be clear, the Emma Thompson, we're going to pitch is Sense and Sensibility, yeah? I Yes, I would be happy with that. Okay. Anything else you want to throw in there, AJ? No. I do think it's mental that no one's brought up, and I'm equally as guilty of this, obviously. No one has talked about um, Emily Blunt. So here's yeah. the thing. Here's my thing. I don't... I, I tried. Now, I... When it came to it, I picked Mary Poppins, and Mary Poppins wasn't going to come in twice. Okay, Quiet Place. I also then watched. I've rewatched A Quiet Place one because the missus hadn't seen it. But was, she was like, "What are you watching?" I'm like, "Quiet Place 2. She's like, "And I've not seen Number One. How dare you?" So I had to go back to A Quiet Place one. Right? AJ, follow your heart. Kira Knightley. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That, oh, oh, yeah, I won't even say that too loud because I may be sleeping somewhere else tonight. But um, yeah. <laughs> but no, I believe, especially when it came to both Quiet Place movies, I felt like she was a support. It was definitely John Krasinski's film in number one and the daughter took over in number two. So I, as much as I would like Ooh. to... I'm sorry. Me. <laughs> well, I, call it as I, see it. I call it as I see it. Um, equally, um, Edge of Tomorrow. Like Edge of Tomorrow, I would listen to her being a support. Absolutely. I just feel she's a support in most of these films. I can't call one where I've seen her personally as a lead. I really Emily Blunt, I thought, was definitely going to be there. Um, if she's she cast as Susan Storm, are you still going to say it's a supporting lead because no, Mr. No. Fantastic? No, no, no. That's different. That's completely different. Okay. There's four people who, who own the spot of a lead. That's like hidden figures just being like, no, it's Octavia Spence. No, I'm not going to do that. No. Like, it, <laughs> although I'd like to say it's definitely Octavia Spencer. <laughs> Don't wait until long. But no, but like that's that's the problem here. I just feel like in those films, I, I, I my intention was, I was like, I was really happy to finally see A Quiet Place 2. And it was like, especially with the way she cocks the gun at the end of number one, I'm like, yes. She's going to take the lead. She's going to be in there. Top three selected, guaranteed. I watched it. I was like, it's the daughter for the lead. I, I, it, people tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm harsh. It's just I, You're harsh. I think you're harsh. But since we can't come to an agreement on it, I guess no, Emily. So are we going to settle on these four then? Yes. So what are we doing for Julie? Sound of music? It has to be. I saw that eyebrow. <laughs> I did. It has to be. I was like, I, I agree. Based on, based, based on, <laughs> bro, I pick Mary Poppins with you, yeah. But like, Jazz is a guest. People in the chat have said kind of music. We got to go with that way. Audrey Hepburn, especially after Jazz's highlight, can't be my fair lady. But it has fair to be. Lady. It's, it's, it it's what's on our list. It's what's on our yeah. list. Yeah. Uh, I mean. It's not to say she's not brilliant in it. It's just uh, controversial brilliant. I like that. Controversial brilliant. AJ, we are adding that to our lexicon. It's controversial yeah. brilliant. Yeah, I like that. I do like that indeed. Watch people start to use that to try and describe Michael Bay's career. Ha! 
Controversial, brilliant. It could, no. also be, it could also be the definition to movie Matt Rushmore, you know. Controversial, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. We need to put it on a t-shirt. Jazz, who's your t-shirt supplier? <laughs> <laughs> Me at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 lock this in. Cool. Let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, the official movie Mount Rushmore of movies led by British women in no particular order is Tilda Swinton. You need to talk about Kevin. Our second entry is Emma Thompson, Sense and Sensibility. Our third entry is Julie Andrews, The Sound of Music. Our final entry into the movie Mount Rushmore of movies led by British women is Audrey Hepburn, My Fair Lady. Do you know what? I have to be honest, and as much as I love my soft spot for Audrey, this could be Julie Andrews' chance to get a bit of a revenge on the situation. Be like... <laughs> Take the victory. As long as she comes anything above Audrey in any position, she gets her revenge. So, hey. Yeah. Okay, guys. Now, how could Julie Andrews get this revenge? It's easy. By heading over to at Movie MT Rushmore, the, the official poll of this silver screen dudes. But more importantly, the person we will be retweeting. No, you can't float twice because it's a retweet. Head on over to at Movie Polls for you. We love movies. Good old JT will be posting up and then we get the retweet. And that's where you get to put your vote for the four contenders. Once again, a quick reminder. Tilda Swinton, we need to talk about Kevin. Emma Thompson, Sense and Sensibility. Julie Andrews, Sound of Music. And Audrey Hepburn, My Fair Lady. What a killer list. It's a what killer a list. Thing. It's an yeah, absolutely killer list. Um, guys, also, as a reminder, you uh, if you do like the show and you want to show some love to the movie dudes, you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash movie dudes. And for literally less than the price of your daily Starbucks, for as little as two pounds or more, if you wish, you can support the channel and the podcast at a level that is comfortable on the wallet and easy for you. We do bring you weekly content, so hopefully we entertain you. And if you, we do and you want to say thanks, there's your means to do it. Um, you can also find me on Daddy Goo on YouTube, where I will be doing gaming live streams, horror, Star Wars, fantasy, geeky stuff. Uh, and as always, you can follow us on Movie MT Rushmore on Twitter. Next week, as I imagine people will be saying, what's the show next week? Next week, we will be doing the top 10 movies with a number in the title. It's, it's bigger than I thought. And can I just say, before we do sign up, Jazz, thank you so, 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 so much for coming back. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been way too long. Thank you. Yes. It's been great. I've had such a good time. This has been a great uh, last couple of hours, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, and you. Jazz, just before you do leave, we are giving you your shout-out time. Where can people find you, and what are you up to? Yes, so I am a co-host of another little podcast called The People's Polygraph. It's a trivia show that I do with my housemate every couple of weeks. Um, you can find us on Twitter at, at PPLS Polygraph. That's probably the easiest way to find us at the moment. Uh, if you just want to find me, I am at Jazzy Mandius. It's like Ozymandias, but with jazz. Smart. Um, and I also have an actual play podcast uh, called Roll Your Own Adventure that's me, some Aussie mates, and a Canadian uh, playing a D&D &D adventure that you guys can join in on. And uh, yeah, we're on Spotify. Come find us. That's amazing, guys. So thank you from all of us here at Movie Mount Rushmore. We will be back, as always, next Tuesday, 9 p.m. British Standard Time. 
Until then, guys, we're out. We'll see you see soon. You.